Hello, everyone, and welcome to Weekly Manga Recap. My name is Nick. I am here with Chris. It is December the 16th of 2020, and we are here to do Weekly Manga Recap. Aren't we? Nick. You have a concern? No. Well, consider us good friends, right, Nick? I'd say that we're pretty good friends. Yeah. We've been friends for well over a decade now. I think we we've seen each other grow and change as individuals, bend by each other's sides in in turbulent times. Uh so with that, I will forgive oh, you no. this one time for not addressing me by my correct title. As I am Lord Christopher Larius now. A piece of land in Scotland has been purchased in my name, <laughs> thus fulfilling oh, really? the only requirement Needed to deign myself as a lord, and I shall be addressed as such. People of Scotland, bow before your new god. My sister paid $35 to a website, and now I am your new ruler. Did you, like, look up? the rules of, of of lordship and such before doing this or did you just like lands of in my name that means i'm a lord like you just like know it in your bones it's <laughs> it's uh it's like i think i hear it advertised on podcasts a lot that it's it's one of those it's like one of those places like we'll name a star after you or something like that there's a place in scotland that i guess has just unusable land but they're like but if we sell this land in like five by five plots or whatever, then you technically own a piece of Scottish land and are thus a lord. So that's how okay, they get so people. They advertise yeah, it, they right. advertise it as like you become a lord, or I forget what the Scottish term for lady is, like a laird or something like that. Some. I think that actually is correct. I don't know. Um, we've got we've got people who know it better than we do. Yes, but right, I, I well. shall be treated with my due respect. This title I absolutely earned and was not given in a gift. Well, I, I apologize for my misconduct, Rolord T. Mm, uh, yes, I like this. And, and uh, happy birthday, by Thank the way. You. Thank you. <laughs> Much appreciated. Those motherfuckers, they killed me in Among Us on my birthday, Nick. Can we also talk about that? They did. <laughs> cocksuckers. What <laughs> the first game we did? The first person was the imposter went straight down into the storage and murdered the shit out of me. I was the first one dead on my birthday. Also, I, I, I have to point out that someone almost, almost basically just gave away, uh, a game where I was an imposter because uh, you said everyone has to watch me do Simon Says on my birthday and I was and we were like yeah okay and one person didn't show up and so I called a meeting and it was like the birthday party we've got to get rid of him and everyone was like yes you're right it was great (laughs) fucking Carito wasn't that my birthday party uh oh do we lose Nick for a second He's looking at his, his mic inquisitively. Oh, he has a cable in his hands. This is like a like a comedy routine. Like he held the cable up to the camera and kind of pulled it out with a look on his face, like a like an old uh like an old Marx Brothers routine or something. Yeah, I made a uh um a shocked reaction at it for five seconds <laughs> and shook it around a bit before I actually did anything about it. Yeah. Uh, so 
I, de- I deserved that, I guess, for uh, for bragging about my imposter play. Shouldn't, that's a that's a faux pas. So. Uh. All right, Chris, um, we do have like a thing that the episode is supposed to be structured around uh, that we're supposed to be talking about at the beginning. So if, yes. if you're all right with it, I yeah. like to talk about the series that I chose as a recommendation a few weeks ago. I shall deign it to be such. All right. I've got to run everything by you now. This is this is going to be so weird. Remember, I have the people I of like... I have the people of Scotland at my back. Presumably, they probably hate me, <laughs> but in my mind, they are a standing army for me to call upon when I need them. Or if they nothing else, I want a man with a bagpipe behind me playing to basically affirm my own thoughts. You don't have the full backing of the people, but you have a percentage. Of the backing of the people, uh, proportionate to the amount of land that a five foot by five foot square is to the whole of Scotland. <laughs> do you think so? I, oh, so you ask for help, and people like they they do consider it at least. <laughs> do you think I like? There's supposed to be meetings that are being held in Scotland about the future of the nation that I should be there to attend. And I'm like, I, well, yeah, as a as a lord, as a Scottish landowner. <laughs> Talking about, you've been talking about being like Spanish and Irish all this time. It's like, oh, I guess we were completely off base. <laughs> <laughs> the worst. Oh, and I can. Uh, there's only one Scottish accent I could do. Well, I don't know, everybody. It's <laughs> me, Sean Connery. This is bad. <laughs> Before we go any further on that tangent, quintessential quintuplets. This is the manga that uh, we've been reading. It is a manga series written by Negi Haruba, also known by its Japanese title, Gotobun no Hanayome. It ran in Weekly Shonen Magazine from August of 2017 until February of this year, 2020. Uh, and it is a harem romantic comedy series. I think that is that that I think that category best describes it. Uh, it's about this uh, studious, uh, kind of loner, stuck-up kid named uh, Futaro, who uh, his family is in a bad financial situation, uh, so he accepts this job as a tutor of this wealthy girl. Uh, but it turns out that the girl that he's supposed to be tutor is not one girl; it is a group of five identical quintuplet sisters, uh, and so. Futaro's got to deal with the different personalities that they have in order to get them to be serious and study because not none of them are very gifted academically. Uh, a lot of them are disinterested in, in studying for their own various different reasons. And a lot of them don't like Futaro to start with for their own various different reasons. And the story follows as Futaro builds relationships with the girls in order to get them to trust him, helping them to do better in their studies mm-hmm. and I say eventually, but honestly, pretty quickly for some and just a little bit later for others, uh, the girls start to fall in love with Futaro. And there is a plot point early on that Futaro winds up marrying one of them in the future. And so it's kind of a who is he going to fall in love with and marry story uh, is one of the main hooks that uh, begins the tale. So. When I picked this story out as a recommendation, uh, I noted the similarities it has with We, with we Never Learn, uh, which is a series, of course, we have been covering since the beginning. It began. 
around the same time as this series. Uh, and if it had ended at one ending, it would have ended around the same time as this series. Yep. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, cosmetic similarities. There's the tutoring thing, the five different love interests. Uh, the protagonist comes from a single parent household because one because one of his parents is dead. Uh, he's got a younger sibling. Uh, they aren't doing well financially uh, and uh, various other things. But it's also a very different kind of story from We Never yes. Learn, it turns out. We Never Learn is a lot more about actually like studying and tutoring and learning. Whereas quintessential quintuplets is a lot more of a, I guess it's kind of more soap opera y. Um, not necessarily in yeah. terms of tone, but in terms of the way that the plot moves forward. Everything very just dramatic, kind of... very theatrical at points. I'm trying to think it, if I, there's. I, I discovered this. I was, say, I, I was trying to think if there's a moment in We Never Learn where they do the the dramatic slap across the face, and I can't think of mm-hmm. one, but there is very specifically one in Quintessential Quintuplets. Quintessential Quintuplets I describe more as dramedy, uh, and We Never Learn I would describe more as cartoonish. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of larger-than-life things that happen We Never Learn. In Quintessential Quintuplets, most things are pretty grounded, save just the you know, coincidences that happen. Uh, there's, a, and there are a lot of things that happen in it. There are, you know, kind of beyond belief, but it's more just cause like, well, how did this turn out that this happened to happen and this happened to happen and this happened to happen is because, you know, it's a drama. And so it just worked out that uh. way. So, uh, I don't have a whole lot of deep thoughts in the series. <laughs> It's I, I didn't just talk um, I think that if you're the type of person who hears, you know, kind of like dramedy, you know, multiple love interests, who is, you know, which of the characters do I like the most and is going to end up, you know, living happily ever after, romantically speaking, I would say that this is probably, you know, be would be pretty good to recommend to someone who has those kind of tastes. Uh, I did not dislike it. But I guess I was also expecting it to, I guess mostly I was expecting it to be worse than it was. Yeah. Um, so. I, I, I mean, so this is another harem manga. And, you know, I think for a very long period of time, when it come, when it came to reading harem manga, harem was like almost kind of a dirty word because harem manga are usually... They're all the same. It's one guy who's usually as bland and boring as a character as possible because they want the audience to be able to insert themselves onto that character with a group of attractive girls who gets into a ton of fan servicey situations. And it's generally not very good. It's usually just something there to kind of please edgy fans. At least, that, at least that's how I kind of viewed harem manga for mm-hmm. a while. Nisekoi, that's why it felt like such a like a breath of fresh air, where I was like, oh, this actually feels like this is a story. Um, and then with We Never Learn, it's like, holy cow, you can really write great things here. And I think with this series, too, I'm like, wow, you know, for a genre that I always equated with being very sexualized, this one very rarely goes to that level. In fact, it Almost feels downright chaste in comparison to We Never Learn at times. I kept waiting for... Yes. I was like, "It wait, 
one of the girls isn't going to trip and fall into the other girls and grab their skirts as she falls to pull down both of their skirts. That, that doesn't happen. That's not a natural transition of scenes in this series. Um, so I, I definitely appreciate that to a, a certain extent. And it, it does give me a different perspective of what a harem series could be. Um, but at the same time, I do agree with you. I don't think it means I liked it either. Um, I'll give a credit for, you know, it, it, I think that it is a quality enough story that, you know, you can't just make those, oh, it's a harem series and just dismiss it out of hand like that. Um, I think that there is a lot that has to do with the familial bond between the quintuplets and the way that, you know, a lot of their characters are tied into that relationship that they have in terms of uh, the mental blocks that they have in terms of the goals that they set for themselves and stuff like that. And also complicating the relationship that they have with Futaro as he's trying to get them to look out for their own individual success, basically. Um, and I think the fact that I have a lot of qualms with the story, but the qualms are to the point of like, okay, I feel like this character isn't developed enough and this relationship isn't developed enough and stuff like that. That's about, you know, other harem series that I have, that I've read. Like, you know, I read to, to love Rue, uh, about 12 ish years ago. And it was mostly for the sake of just doing it to do it and uh -huh. to see how bad it was. And when I read it, I, I was like, the only thing that really surprised me was the links it would go to, to do fan service. Really? Yeah. Uh, everything else was just like, yeah, I mean, this is, you know, it's, it's a dumb little adventure, which is mostly just kind of a, a set of excuses for the main character to wind up face first in a girl's, in a girl's panties under some bizarre set of coincidences. Uh, there is some fan service in quintessential quintuplets, but it's very grounded. Yeah. There are occasions where Futaro, because he's coming into these girls' apartments in order to tutor them, that he finds them unexpectedly in compromising positions. There is a chapter structured around, oh, he accidentally came across one of the girls coming out of the shower in a towel, and it was an embarrassing you know, thing, and he got in a bit of trouble for it. But it's not like she was, you know posing with her boobs pushed out or, or, or anything like yeah. that. It's just he happened to come across her and she was wearing a towel in about the most modest way it could possibly be drawn really. Yeah. Um, so then he comes down to like, okay, well, here's the struggles that they're going through, the relationships that they have. And if it's at that level, I'm going to judge them on their own merits and I didn't really like that the story that it, in general, but it was for the reasons that I felt like I was supposed to judge it by. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad that, yeah, I, th I think that the number of different series with the harem premise that we've covered at this point, if someone tells us, oh, it's a harem series, I think that I feel comfortable with. All right. Well, it still might be worth checking out. So. Yeah. So uh, I don't know if we want to try to avoid spoilers or not. Um, uh, I'll say this. Uh, this is a series I knew essentially nothing about going into it. Mm. Didn't didn't know anything. I did not realize how much I it had surrounded me, just me being ignorant to the characters and things like that. Because immediately upon reading it, 
I started to see people talking about it all around me, and I presume it's not hmm. co- like not like you know intentional, just by coincidence. Um, I started to notice references people were making and things like that. Uh, a downside is I had the ending spoiled for me almost immediately. <laughs> like I would think I was maybe a volume and a half. Yeah, I got about a volume and a half into the series, found out who the girl was who wins at the end, and I was like, "Huh, not who I would have picked." Really? And then I was like, "Kind of the most boring one too." And then I read long enough that I was like, "No, they're all kind of boring." <laughs> And then I was like, you know what? Fine. Whatever. Yeah. They all have a thing. Because for a while, I was like, I don't know. I just don't feel like this guy has any chemistry with this girl. And I was like, now that I think about it, he doesn't really have a lot of chemistry with any of the girls. So here's the thing about Futaro. He's a grump. Uh He is very much just a... I just want to study so that I can get a good job and I can help out my family. Uh, and I want to be the type of person who can be reliable and dependable and stuff like that. And that comes out in the sense that he really has a stick up his ass. And also he really looks down on the exact type of person that he is trying to help out because all of these girls are in his words, dumbasses, which is a very harsh way of looking at it. Look, the girls aren't dumb. Very few people are just outright just stupid. They are not academically gifted. Yes. Is what is what the problem is. Uh, one of the girls, Yotsuba, is a bit of an airhead. You know, she's easily tricked there. One of my f- favorite jokes in the story is uh, one of the other girls, Miku. One of her things is that she is very good at mimicking the other uh, her, her sisters. So like she'll change her hair and change her voice and act a little differently and she passes like a perfect replica of them and so the first time she does this is to get futaro to leave her alone by acting like yotsuba instead and then because futaro is trying to chase her around in order to get her just to trust him to tutor her and stuff and so she's like oh yeah 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 miku went that way and he keeps running and he runs into the actual yotsuba who's like wait a minute what Yotsuba, do you have a doppelganger or something? And and Yotsuba's like, well, I don't think so. And then they look over and Miku is right there. She's still disguised as Yotsuba. And Yotsuba's like, oh my god, it is my doppelganger. I'm gonna die soon. Like, it's her own sister. Yeah. Like, and, she's, and she falls for it. That's the kind of a, a person that she is. But they're not stupid. They're just yeah. not very good at studying. Like... <laughs> I'm trying to even remember if they ever really dig into why... They are particularly like they 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 specifically call attention to the fact that all of the girls are kind of good at their own subjects, mm-hmm. but why most of them are particularly good at that subject never felt like it was really clear to me. Like it was supposed to be kind of this key to like, you know, individually you all might be kind of bad at studying, but combined together, you're a genius. You're you're wonderful. You're brilliant. That kind of thing, and. You know, honestly, I don't want to compare it too much to We Never Learn because they are different series, even though they have, you know, very similar premises. Um, and I, I guess it's one of those things that you're like, I I will simply have to accept that the studying part of this is just a means to an end. It is a way to get this male lead into the house of these five girls and get them involved in their life because it truly never feels like it's anything but like a plot thing, you know. 
oh, this new exam's coming up. If he doesn't get all the girls to get this high enough of a score, then he'll be fired. And that'll be bad because his family doesn't have a lot of money. Uh, but it doesn't even get deeper than that. It's not like with Uego where it's like, look, you're so poor, you're never going to get into another college unless you get this recommendation from the vice principal. And the principal's recommendation will only come if you get these girls to get a certain score threshold. Design anything like that. They'll just lose the money and presumably his family will be worse off for it. You know? Yeah, the way you put phrase it as a means to an end, I think, is the most appropriate. The... Tutoring and studying is simply part of the setting. It's not really intrinsic to what the plot is about. It's just a matter of um, it's only important directly when there is a deadline that they have to get to. Mm -hmm. So at certain points, there's like, okay, there's an exam coming up and they spend a few chapters focusing on the fact that there's an exam coming up. Uh, almost all the rest of it is just a matter of like building up the personal relationships between Futaro and the girls and it becomes like the first two girls to fall in love with Futaro fall in love with him very early on in the series. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of a gradual thing for some of the girls after that. But once the girls start falling in love with him, then it becomes increasingly more and more and more about it's just the romantic plot. And I, I mean, I'm not going to say like, oh, well, that makes it worse or anything. It does feel like the tutoring element is lacking the because there's so much emphasis put on that. But I mean, that first chapter ends by saying like, Hey, in five years, Futaro is going to marry one of these sisters. It's letting you know off the bat, this is what the story is, Yeah, is the story of Futaro falling in love with one of these girls and them getting together. You know what the conclusion is going to be. It's just a matter of figuring out who it's with mm -hmm. and how coming and coming to see how it happens. Um, so, if you're not into the romantic part of it, there's not really a whole lot else in the series really to look into. It is a straight up, you know, just it's it's a dramatic story with a few, you know, lighthearted things that happen about this one guy bonding with these girls and then a romance happens and that is it. Uh, If you're into one of those like, OK, I like to figure out, you know, who I f is my favorite girl and rooting for them, then it will suit you more than fine. You might not be that he winds up with, but that's the way that a lot of these kind of series tend to go. Yeah. And there is no, uh, you know, alternate routes where he ends up with all five <laughs> of the different girls. It's just no, no. No, it was one and that was it. <laughs> no, but the other four do go on his honeymoon with him, which is a little bit curious. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> For those of you who are right, who are like sixth route harem ending is like, well, I mean, it's not telling you no. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I, I think I, I do appreciate elements of the story. I, I do think there are moments that are good. I think I ended up at first liking Miku a lot just because her character archetype is, you know, the shy introvert girl, and she's literally the first girl to open up. So I was like, cool, that's pretty refreshing. You don't have to have this, like, shy, shrinking violet in every scene. She actually, like, develops a pretty strong personality very quickly, and I, I enjoyed that. Uh, and then one of the girls to fall in love with them right after that is uh, Itsuki. And I thought she actually had some kind of complicated layers to her that I, I kind of appreciated a little bit. Um... Do you mean Itsuki or, Ich or Ichika? 
Ichika, sorry, Ichika, sorry. Uh, no, Itsuki doesn't have any layers. I wouldn't have included in if you hadn't. I wouldn't have been clued in if you hadn't said layers of personality. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, some of the girls aren't developed as well as others, mm-hmm. which I find to be the biggest failing of the series uh, is that I don't think that as characters, all of them are as interesting to follow and I'm not as invested in some of their stories as others. Uh, I'm I'm with you on Miku, and, I, and honestly, I think that like the order that the girls fall in love with him is probably the order of most to least interesting for me. <laughs> <laughs> so the series, I guess, in that way, gets worse as it goes on. Oh man, yeah. it, it is, and I I think that's really kind of where my big issue with the series is is that. I can absolutely understand if it's something where you're like, I like the girls, I like their personalities. I think the writing of the story and the narrative way it ties them all together is the place where I find issues. And honestly, I think the biggest reason for why there are so many is because this is a harem that drops all five girls on you from the start. So every time they kind of start to do one of their bigger stories, they have to find something for all the girls to do as opposed to like kind of building them up. And there's just not that many. Like, the ski trip is one. And I was like, I think as a way to kind of tease him with all the girls, he has four different situations of getting stranded one-on-one with one of the girls. And only one of them's in an even slightly different context than the rest. The other three are just like, this girl is alone with him and has to work out some feelings, basically. And that's pretty much it. Uh, And then Yatsuba happens to be there. And you know what? She was final girl. So you know what, guys? Just don't have issues. That's the secret to success. Spoilers. (laughs) (laughs) Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's um and I think that the way that uh since we've already brought we've already broached this subject, so might as well talk about it. I think that one of the reasons that Yotsuba is one of the less interesting girls for me is specifically because she is the one that Futara winds up with. And it's not necessarily because he falls in love with her. It's because of how the one he falls in love with is intrinsically tied into the fact that he has met one of the quintuplets in the past. It was just something that he didn't really fully remember. See, because every time you do a a romance series in a shonen, you've got to have a past where their fate's already been decided. And so they just have to remember that they made a promise as children. And so it's it, so it, Futaro, it's that moment. There was literally a moment where I was just like, all right, we never learned meets Nisekoi where like he opens up a locket with a picture of one of the girls. He's like, I hope I get to meet you again one day. You're like, what the fuck is this? That happened. And then like, chapter 10 or something like that i was like oh god again with this <laughs> in the picture <laughs> and who could it be all the girls look the same which by the way only works in the manga because i looked up pictures of like the colored art and i was like they all of them have different hair colors like it's they're not identical anymore i was like how the fuck does the miku gimmick I work the she- idea <laughs> good 
I guess the idea is that they all are just redheads, mm-hmm. but in order to help distinguish them for marketing purposes, they have different shades of red hair. But no, you're right. Like the fact <laughs> that they're quintuples and one of them has hot pink hair and, the, and another has orange hair. It's like, I can tell you apart. <laughs> I, I do enjoy there's like a, a plot where because Yatsupa's whole thing is like she gives too much of herself. She she really can't say no to somebody in need. So they have to like she gets invited to work with like the track club and the track club's just pushing her too hard and she's she's not doing enough of her own stuff. So they come up with a plan to have Itsuki take her place and like decline the club for her. And the club president's like, you're not fucking Yatsuba. And they're like, how did you figure? They had to act like she's this sharp genius for being like, well, your hair's a lot longer. Also, it's a different color. <laughs> like... <laughs> <laughs> but then like another girl shows up and she's fooled that time. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. So it's kind of something you just have to like they can be told apart when the story says they can be, and otherwise they can't be told apart. Yeah. That's basically what it boils down to. Um so Yotsuba, it turns out, and we don't know it's Yotsuba as we're getting revealed this information. It turns out, though, that when all the girls were kids and they all looked like completely identical, I guess, uh, she ran into Futaro, who uh, had basically deliberately abandoned a class trip that he was on because he was actually the troublemaker in school. He was the bad boy. He was mm-hmm. the prankster. And he realized that he was getting in the way of, like, some of his classmates hooking up in a, you know, sixth grader sense. But so he was like, I'm just the spare. I'm not needed here, which is the most 12 year old thing to think. (laughs) So, So he left. And while he was on his own, he ended up running into Yotsuba who was calling herself Reina, which is the girl's mother's name, and, her, and she's dead. Um, and so they bonded, and and he was inspired by her to change his ways and become someone that, you know, a girl like her would be able to rely on. And that's why he became this very studious, serious-minded person. And as a result of being the first girl to actually meet him, she wins, because he's never forgotten that girl. He's always been in love with her, even though he wasn't actually in love with her, but he was actually in love with her. Uh, it, I don't know. He tells himself different things a few different times. Uh, and so that's the girl that he winds up with. And uh, in, a, in a sense, defies and at once holds up the tradition of the first girl winning that tends to go with a lot of shonen romances. Because Itsuki was the first girl he encountered in the present timeline, but she was the first girl that he ran into then. And uh, yeah, well, I guess they did the same thing with Aruka and we never learned, didn't they? Well, no, because in the Kirisu timeline, he actually encountered her first. <laughs> yes. Damn it. Remember, all those timelines so, are canon and not canon at the same time, Nick. That's right. Schrodinger's timelines. So, yeah, I, I guess to just wrap this up, I, I will say that I, I enjoy aspects of quintessential quintuplets. Um, and I definitely appreciate that I know what it is now because there's a lot more references in the general world around me. That I'm going to get. I got confused why everyone called a new unit in Arknight's Nino all the time. And then I read this manga. I was like, oh, yeah, she's absolutely just Nino with the fucking Lance. So, uh, you know, I enjoy yeah. aspects of that. Uh, but I will say 
I did not love it. If you ask me what's better between this and whatever, we never learn. Despite what happen, is happening currently in, in the one series, I'll still probably see we never learn. But I also do got to admire somebody with the fucking balls to end the story with the one girl you said you wanted to end it with. Yeah, really. Um, I liked getting to know some of the characters. I thought that uh, Nino was probably the most like just. Not necessarily interesting, but it was nice whenever she showed up because stuff would happen then. <laughs> like, you know, she's she would basically generate conflict. She's a shit stirrer, but like not like a Sumi where it's yeah. joking. She's just like kind of mean. <laughs> like kind of starts yeah. problems where she goes. Uh Ichika I, I, I'm kinda up and down on. Um she has the whole big sister thing with the sense of responsibility, but I don't really like the way that she was like trying to be a big sister while also being like, Oh, I've got the hots for that guy. You know, she tried to do both with him, Mm -hmm. which was kind of like, I'm playing into my type, my fetish. I liked Miku because, you know, she was shy and she was trying to open up and she was trying to be bold a lot of the time. And you could see her kind of growing. Yotsuba and Itsuki were there. (laughs) Especially Itsuki. She was there. (laughs) Holy shit, man. She's like the first girl you meet in the story, so a lot of it kind of like feels like it tries to center around her. And for the longest time, I was like, I don't get it. Is she just like, did she, did I miss like a level of her personality somewhere, or is she just Sundare and that's it? Like, because that's really all her personality she ever develops to. Chris, because she wants to be a teacher, though, Chris, because her mom was a teacher. Hey, and that's very sweet. That's nice. You know, I do you like know? some of those developments at the end. Um, but yeah, holy shit, man. Utsuki is really just a character who is present in that story. <laughs> She's there for like, whenever like, it's kind of a funny thing because a lot of times Futaro comes across one of the girls in like one of their vulnerable moments. And you, a lot of times when that happens, there's another girl with him. And it seems like, the majority of the time, Itsuki's the girl who is just there too, because she's the most neutral personality girl, so she doesn't steal the spotlight away from the one who's having their big dramatic moments. Is that a param archetype, the present also character type? Yes, it's Bob was there too. Yeah. <laughs> um so yeah, I came I came away from this. I, I knew relatively early on, like, okay, this isn't really doing it for me i didn't really feel like oh i've got to find out what happens next what happens next like um i wanted to early on avoid spoiling the series for myself but eventually i realized like i don't really care enough because i just have a funny feeling that the one girl that i'm kind of interested in her being happy because she loves the guy miku I feel like she's not going to be the girl, so I don't really care. <laughs> and then, yeah, it turned out to be Yotsuba, and I was like, all right, man, if that makes you happy. She, Yotsuba does have an interesting thing where she doesn't feel like she deserves anything uh, for herself. But that was also kind of Miku's thing early on. Like, she didn't think anything of herself because she felt that all of her sisters could do everything she was capable of and she was useless otherwise. So... 
it's weird. Like all the girls have something tied into their relationship as quintuplets. Ichiko wants to look after everyone by being the bigger sister to be the breadwinner and help everyone out. Nino is like the guardian of everyone. She's the most distrusting towards Futaro. She doesn't want him messing anything up, but also she's got this deep insecurity that the girls are changing as they get older and they're all drifting apart. And she doesn't want that to happen. She's fearful of what's going to happen to her. And, you know, it's a, th- those are interesting stories to tell, but it does lose the impact when you see some of them like kind of take the story that was from one character because it's like, well, I didn't come up with another one for them. So, but I thought it was, it was an all right series, but it is as is not really a genre that really appeals to me. Uh, and I feel as though if I were into the story more, if uh, this type of series more, it probably wouldn't be my favorite example of it. Uh-huh. Uh, but it's a harmless enough story. Uh, if you're really into it, Hey, good news for you. Uh, the second season of the anime adaptation is coming out next month. So there you go. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Nick, let's get talking about those recap series. Yes, we're going to. Yes, your lordship. We're going to start things off with uh, My Hero Academia. Number 294, final performance. Uh, so we get the reiteration that, oh, hey, that sedative that we fed to Gigantomachia is taking effect now. And we get this very, like, kind of like, oh, right, all that happened to all those people sort of page where we're reminded, like, hey, yeah, Ryukyu got fucked up and no one else. Uh, but Hawks has, <laughs> you know, got his wings burned off and Gran Torino's on life support. Mir- Mirko's still messed up. Aizawa's still messed up. What's up? I'm sorry. I forgot what this chapter was about. <laughs> Just someone posted in the chat and I was like, oh yeah! <laughs> we'll get to it. <laughs> um, so, oh, and also the number, what was he, six? Sec- number s- <laughs> Nick, put some respect on his He was the number six hero, Crust! <laughs> Crust is dead and he's, he's still <laughs> getting the thumbs back. up and from the afterlife. <laughs> who's so who's like the Marvel equivalent of Crust? A character who'd be like, my dramatic sacrifice. And everyone's like, goodbye, old sixth Ghost Rider, or wherever you are. <laughs> <laughs> There's only six members of the event. <laughs> yeah, but you know. <laughs> oh no, Beta Ray Bill! Oh, it's a member you. <laughs> Anyway, best genius makes a thread pun because, you know, if a single thread frayed came loose, all would have been lost. But yeah, it's nice to have this acknowledgement of like, hey, this has been a long fight that we've been going through in this manga, but it, there was a purpose behind it, which is this otherwise unstoppable thing has been stopped now because of everyone's efforts. Hooray. And now it's like, hey, all right, let's go and finish off the bad guys. It seems like they're going to win in this moment. They're still highly and high end with they're trying to fight them uh and uh everyone's kind of realizing that they're not strong enough to actually deal with the high end nomu they just have to kind of take the pressure off of best genus for him to actually finish everything off and then all of a sudden mr compress hey he's been here this whole time i didn't know if you really knew that we've checked in on him a few times like when he was concerned about togo when she ran off by herself but otherwise he's been there too 
but he's here now, and this chapter is about him. So, <laughs> Compress realizes at this moment that he can't touch anything in order to activate his quirk. He can't even touch the cables that are binding his arms to his sides. And he, the way he puts it is, in such dire straits, all I can do is tickle my own behind. Mm -hmm. That's one way of putting it. But... What would be another so, way of putting it, Nick? Um, I don't know. Uh, fondle my own fanny. Oh, okay. Or... Touch uh, my own tuchus. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Um, I'm gonna thumb my fart box. It doesn't have the alliteration, but it's very evocative. <laughs> <laughs> so, he has this moment where he realizes that Shigaraki's on his outs, and he's like, okay, you've drawn us all together, and you've told us to cause chaos, but what are we supposed to do right now, when even you can't do anything? And he's like, we haven't done anything still. We, we've you know, said we're going to do all this stuff and you know, we're going to be finished up before we can even start. Dobby and Toga and I have yet to achieve our dreams. Uh, and then Genus is like, I need you guys to go asleep now. So he starts squeezing all of them with his cables in order to choke them out. Uh, Spinner's body does not react well to being squeezed. Um, you might kill that boy. <laughs> So Compress says as he's being choked to Spinner, who's like the only one right next to him who's conscious, that I love the league. Tamura is the key. I shall buy you five seconds during which to rouse the boss. Every decent performance requires a good assistance. And he touches his own ass and activates his quirk, causing that part of his flesh to shrink away. And be, by gouging out his flesh like that, now his arm can move in the binds. And so he snaps his arm out and compresses both Spinner and Shigaraki, snatches their marbles in his hand. And he mentally says to you know all the heroes fighting him, like, hey, don't think for a moment that you're the only ones who are giving your lives for a cause. Ready for a taste of prime entertainment? And Best Genius is like, you've just inflicted a fatal wound on yourself by ripping out your own ass. Uh, and he immediately responds by just taking control of the fabric and compresses his clothes to him that way. So Compress reacts by continuing to do what he just did before and just gouging out parts of his body with his compressed quirk so that he rips off all of his own clothes and a bunch of flesh along with them so that he can get away. And he thinks to himself, daring escapes and deception are my forte, which means I'm the man who will save our team from doom. Time for backstory! So we learn that Mr. Compress is the grandson of Oji Harima, the peerless thief, a criminal who would target the fattened pockets of sham heroes and preach reformation while returning what he pilfered back to the streets. I believe that this character was brought up 
in uh, a long list of like great villains from the past. I think that was when we first heard the name of Destro listed along with uh, All for One. I think that we heard about this guy before. So anyway, Mr. Mr. Compress is his grandson. And uh, he is ripping his body apart in order to get away. Todoroki and Dobby are still fighting with each other. But Dobby says, sorry about this, Shoto. Change of plans. Angie Todoroki isn't completely broken yet. If he passes out now, there's no point in going on with this performance. Sorry, Masterpiece. And Compress says of to the spirit of his grandfather, the, inf- the reformation you cannot achieve, I now hand off to my boss. To the Paranormal Liberation Fronts, no, the League of Villains, Shigaraki. Thank you. Now I don't have to remember the Paranormal Liberation Front <laughs> anymore. League of Villains. He will change the world instead. And he proclaims, I am Harima's great-great-grandson. Got the grandson part wrong. My bad. The Band of King's blood flows through my veins. What's that you say? You barely noticed me? All parts of the... <laughs> Which is a great twist on, oh yeah, Mr. Cress has been there all along. It's like, all right, if you're going to tell me it was intentional, fine, I'll buy it. But he says, it was all part of the act. It's all for that ta-da moment that the true trick is saved till the end. And as he says this, his mask has been sent flying. He takes the marbles that he has shrunk Spinner and Shigaraki down into. And while his body just has these big gaping holes in it, he casts the marbles down. And sets them down and they're freed from Bestina's vines, or, well, cables. And he says, voila, the curtain rises on the first and final escape artist performance of Mr. Com- so what do you think of this chapter, Chris? Um, so I got to, I guess I got to compliment sandwich this. Uh, I'm very excited that Mr. Compress is going to do something in the story. The the middle part now. Uh, God damn, we have enough fucking going on in this fucking arc. Just end it. At the end, it seemed actually kind of cool the way it all came together. Uh, but this is a weird double layer sandwich that has more meat at the bottom. God fucking seriously? <laughs> like more? I don't want more. Uh... So I'm not sure exactly where this is leading to, if this is going to be extending the fight or if this is going to just be generating an opening for Shigaraki to get away because Shigaraki is still unconscious. And it seems like Dobby has agreed that they need to change their plans and he can't just stick around and go on being like, look at how much of a big shit Endeavor is. So I get the impression that they're going to try and run away now. Uh, I could be wrong about that, of course. I don't know, because the whole thing is like, I'm giving you five seconds to rouse Shigaraki, and it's like, I guess if you rouse him, who knows who actually physically is the one that wakes up? Maybe All for One is the one who wakes up, and he's like, oh, yes, time to retreat and get out of here. But if Shigaraki's the one who wakes up, I'm like, I mean, can he just touch? Yeah, like, can he just immediately start burning people up again and you have to get like i'm just 
it's very much something where I'm like, I definitely appreciate that Mr. Compress has this character moment. I'm kind of bummed he's dead now, too, because I really don't have too many characters left in the League of Villains that I actually like now. Um, so, again, this kind of fills the idea of, like, I guess the League of Villains is supposed to end here unless you're going to repopulate their ranks with characters that matter. But because, I mean, I don't fucking care. Is getting even alive anymore? I don't even remember. Uh, Skeptic can fucking die. Who cares? Or get arrested. <laughs> Redestro was already beaten. He has nothing left to do. So, like, I assume that like, there's not really anything left to, to do at this point. I don't really know. Um, I think that this is definitely a cool idea of what Mr. Compress does here by, you know, he has nothing left to do. So he just shrinks away parts of his own body and maims himself in order to get out. It's a very extreme version of dislocating your shoulder in order to escape a straitjacket kind of thing. Uh, but also some of the action is a little bit hard to follow. Uh, I have to say in the, in just, in just a, a few pages of the whole thing, I think that it sticks to landing at the end where he, you know, mm. he's doing the pose and he's coughing up blood and you can see like where one of his like lungs should be hole in his side uh and there's just enough like covering up that you can't that you can't really see the extent of the damage he's done to himself yes uh but at the same time i'm looking at this and i'm like okay but what was he trying to do so <laughs> is he just do was he just doing this to get shigaraki and spinner momentarily out of their binds yeah i think that's the, the ultimate goal here because he says i'm gonna give you five seconds you gotta wake up the boss so presumably the next chapter is spinner doing whatever he can to wake up shigaraki just be like i need you up because you can see mirio and the cables are coming after them so it's it, he, mm -hmm. like he didn't get that far i'm also wondering what the hell he called dobby over to do exactly I guess to try to delay them for a, like a moment. I don't know. Like you can't even see Dobby in the final panel. I don't know. It's uh, it's just one of those things where it's like it's kind of it's just kind of not conveyed very well at a few points. I think that the most important parts of the chapter are conveyed well in the sense of like, hey, Mr. Compress is killing himself in order to do this. Uh, but in terms of like I was while I was reading this trying to follow like, OK, what is he trying to do? And I could not decide what I thought was happening. And that was frustrating to me. So I like the broad strokes of the chapter, but there are a lot of little elements of it that do take away from it for me. Uh -huh. So Also, he was, he was a somebody important's great grandson. Great. All right. Um, we're doing Ian Zero next? No, <laughs> uh, it's Kaiju number eight. Chapter I could 20. do Ian Zero. Ka Kaiju number eight, chapter 20. Okay. So, Hoshina is still squaring off against uh, Kafka, and uh, Kafka goes into a fighting stance now that he's seen how strong Hoshina is, and of course, Hoshina has just unleashed 92% combat ability. Uh, but when he takes his fighting stance, Kafka remembers that humanoid kaiju that he punched and uh, whose body was torn apart by the force of the blow. So he's like, I mean, I can't just punch him. I'll kill him. <laughs> so what do I do? 
And in that moment of hesitation, he gets cut across the chest and he's shocked by this because Hoshino didn't exactly, you know, run up to him. Uh, and so Kaku's like, okay, well, I can't just hold back. I'll die if I do. And uh, he's like, I mean, this guy is like on a completely different level than even what I saw Kikoru do when she unleashed her combat potential. So uh, he starts trying to, to get away, but as he's running backwards down the alleyway that they're in, Hoshin is pulling some Spider-Man shit and just flipping from wall to wall and pursuing him him that way so agile and so quick that Kafka can barely uh has enough time to harden his body in order to block his moves uh Hoshina slashes his sword and Kafka thinks he dodged it and uh his hand goes flying off because the force of the slash generated an invisible slash Hoshina now uh can see his core through a the wound to Kafka's chest that the invisible blade created Kafka's able to regenerate the damage, and he's like, oh, right, I'm not exactly human, am I, I guess. But I can tell that that's going to actually require a lot of stamina for me to keep on regenerating, so I can't take too many hits. So he realizes I've got to aim for one hit, and I've, I've got to gamble on this and go, and go for one hit here. He, I guess, allows... Hoshina to strike some glancing blows and just kind of stance his ground, I think is what is happening. Uh, and he's deflecting the blows as they're coming towards him. So just enough so that they only leave Nyx as opposed to causing real damage. Uh, and Hoshina realizes this thing's got some really tough fortitude. This guy, this thing could be a Daikaiju in terms of its level of fortitude. And he also has this uneasy feeling inside of himself. So he's like, all right, I got to kick this into high gear. So he proclaims he's going to use sword slay technique number five. And he slashes it with an X with his swords, which sends this launches this invisible slash attack. Kafka manages to dodge to the side, but it takes his leg off. Oshida comes in for the follow up blow and Kafka realizes it's too late to set up for the real strike as Hoshina uses mist slasher and drives his blade through Kafka's arm, th through his chest, towards the core he spotted earlier, and he's like, I've got him! And then he sees that this maw has appeared in Kafka's chest. It bites down the blade to prevent it from actually hitting the core, and Kafka had deliberately aimed for this. He knew that Hoshino was going to go straight for his core. He knew exactly where he was going to attack, and so he prepared this defense. He rears back with his fist to punch, as Hoshino goes, Ah, hell! And Kafka punches the blade out of his hands. And he breaks the sword and knocks Hoshina backward from the force of the impact. And before Hoshina can recover himself, Kafka disappears. Manages to get away. And that's all he can say when he's asked for a status report over the radio. He says, Kaiju number eight has escaped. And we get a color page on the end of the chapter, which is an mm -hmm. interesting touch. Unless you use Manga Plus. They didn't get that for some reason. Um, <laughs> and it's a great color page. It's it's very simple, but I do love the dawn breaking over this this big, giant, crazy conflict. Uh, you know, this is still a pretty early start to the series, but it, it's a very sweet moment of like, okay, phew. You know, he managed to get out of there because it, it did feel like for a moment that uh, Kafka was in a, a 
pretty rough spot, uh, Kefka, rather. Yes. So, you know, this was actually a really cool fight. I actually liked how Hoshido works. Um, I like a lot of the tension there. And I, I love the creativity of the final moment where he's like, I knew you'd come there. So I basically made a mouth on my fucking peck so I could catch your blade before you killed me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh- it's one of those kind of things where it's like he goes up against you go up against someone much stronger and you can't just get jobbed out, uh, but you can't just beat the guy either because then what's the purpose of building up as a strong opponent? So, hey, he showed some ingenuity. He showed some you know quick thinking and strength, and he managed to force a stalemate, which is better than you could expect. So mm. good stuff. All right. So for some reason, uh, comicsology. Did, does not have the chapter of Eden zero, but uh, Crunchyroll does. Yeah, uh, so, so I made a big deal. I'm going with Crunchyroll, and now, uh, now there's this. Yeah, so showed you, I guess. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sucks to suck, me. Uh, chapter 123 of Eden. <laughs> chapter 123 of Eden zero is the light of justice. Uh, justice is you know, going to fight Shiki. Shiki tried to punch him in the last chapter, and Justice just catches his fist really easily. And uh, he says, the Interstellar Union Army was formed to strike down the evil that runs rampant through the cosmos, be it the Eurasian States Galactica, Ziggy, or lawless space voyagers like you. And he throws Shiki backwards, and Shiki's like, what do you mean lawless? And Justice explains that the Eden Zero is an unregistered ship. Oh, they're pirates. They're breaking the law, Chris. How nefarious of them. That's awful. And Justice says that, oh, and also the former owners were Ziggy and Elsie. So this will require further investigation. Ziggy counters by Shiki, sorry, says, don't even think about it. We only let friends in our ship. Uh-huh. It's the in order to make it onto the Eden Zero, Chris, you, you've got to like uh, answer a friendship quiz. Things like, "Are you Shiki's friend?" Yes slash no. All all friend. security measures unlocked. <laughs> uh, so Justice basically proclaims he's going to kill Shiki here because he's an unlawful person. Uh, and Shiki's like, your government's really aggressive. J- Justice says, are you trying to say we're oppressive? Which, I don't know, sounds like projection to me. <laughs> uh, and he says, normally there are protocols that must be followed. We cannot, uh, we cannot cause harm to civilians. However, those of us in the Eurasian Sace Interstellar are given certain privileges. We have the right in any situation to eradicate any target we determine to be evil. So, so he's like, so, you know, since you're associated with the Demon King, with Elsie, yeah, uh, you might become evil someday. So I can't allow you to live. And he transforms... Uh, and he looks exactly like Gajil from Fairy Tale now. So I pulled up a copy of this chapter so I could follow along with it. And the moment I got to this page, I just sighed because we kind of joke like, oh, he's space Gajil. But then they went and just made him space Gajil. 
or Space Siegfried or whatever the fuck his name has been in the last three goddamn hero series. This is not that cool of a character design. You can let it go. But he's got a scar, Chris. <laughs> so he says, I will execute you right now in the name of justice. And then Tosin shows up next to him. And... God, I wish. So they fight, they fight. They fight, they fight. Justice knocks Shiki around a bunch. They fight DBZ fighting stuff. Uh, super speed fighting. Shiki falls to the ground. And then Justice is like, did Elsie hide her abilities from her friends too? My ether gear gives me the same power as hers. Star drain. We absorb a planet's ether and make it our own. I'm going to make a call here. Uh... So he and Elsie have the same power. They drain power and it does that. Uh, none of his outfits will remove clothing, but almost all of Elsie's that. are going to. Yeah, I, I'm going to call that now. That at some point they're going to do like a twin star drain at some point because we know that they're going to be fucking allies. If you know, it's that, that's almost inevitable at this point. So. I, I'm just waiting for that moment that they both drain the exact same manner from the planet, and for some reason hers is like a tube top. <laughs> some somehow, like, somehow, like her star drain twists her entire body around so that her legs are facing the opposite way, so you can see her boobs and butt at the same time. Yeah. And Justice just gets like a parka and a suit of armor <laughs> over the parka. Oh yeah, he's gonna get like a cool suit of armor and like you know fucking some cool boots and shit like that. And hers will be like a fucking cat maid outfit or some shit. And you're like, all right. Her her uh, star drain puts her in bondage for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> just tied I'm like, wait a minute, that's supposed to be their weakness. <laughs> Every time she goes into it, it immediately kicks her back out. <laughs> <laughs> you only get it for a scene, but every time she goes into it, it's a different position, you know? Ah, that's the key. <laughs> Hero, you genius. So. so for some reason, at this point, we cut over to Hermit and Weiss and the Doctor. It's I only say for some reason because we cut back to Shiki and Justice later in this chapter. So it's a very bizarre, like, little break to the action. Uh the doctor guy is going to start torturing Hermit, uh, but Weiss stands up on behalf of his friend and is like, hey, get away from her, you creep. Uh, and then he's kind of like looks closer at Weiss and he's like, you look kind of familiar. And then he remembers, oh, right, Hermit called you Weiss. And he starts freaking out because like, wait a minute, you're Weiss Steiner, the robotics genius? Well, you're too young, though. Maybe, maybe you could be a descendant of his. No, no, he was always he was a lifelong bachelor. I mean, he seemed to be hanging around with a young woman. When we last saw Old Weiss, so oh man, I, I maybe he never settled down, but that doesn't mean he doesn't have offspring. But anyway, so then he realizes, oh wait, right, right, his planet was drained by a chronophage. So he switches targets from Hermit over to Weiss, and is going to, I guess, begin doing, hopefully not sexual. Well, you know, it can be sexual. Why not? There's never been a hunk guy. Uh, experiments on Weiss instead of Hermit. Then we cut back over to Shiki and Justice. Justice is like, I've got a spear now. Uh, this will pierce through evil. And he's going to kill Shiki with it. But then Elsie shows up. Hooray! And Elsie stops the spear with her own spear. 
and Shiki's like, and Elsie's like, don't worry about her. Uh, <laughs> but she promises that her crew will get Homura back. And then, and then she says to Justice, how dare you hurt Shiki like this? You'll pay justice. So she's very serious, Chris. Uh, uh. <sighs> so I know that there's the whole, uh, not it, what, what, what I call him. Did I call him? What's his name? Gerard? Uh, G- Is that his name? Gerard, yeah, Jaleel, I think, or Jaleel is no Gajil, yeah, Gajil was the better guy. guy, Gerard or Siegfried, right? So, um, other than the resemblance to him, I do find that even though this has nothing to do with the plot of what this arc was about up to this point, I'm kind of where you were last week now, where. Yeah, this is a much more interesting story because this, you know, agent of justice who is clearly this blood Templar guy going way too far in rooting out what he perceives to be evil. I think that's a much more interesting story than just it turned the robots evil. And that's so. Yeah, I look, I would like this significantly more if we weren't just repeating the designs from these characters in the last fucking manga. Like that's the only part. It's so self-indulgent to be like, every, my fans are going to love, I mean, the, the, these two, they're like the fucking, the modern day romance of our time. So what would be better than to have their love, not only transcend series but almost like a reality in a way that they're in this series as well it's just like fuck off these designs are not that good like even if their characters are different which they're not so far um just fucking don't just come up with something you come up with like a fucking thousand new does every villain group you have has like 16 shitty character designs in it just take one of them and put them here do you think that because they spend a lot of time on Gerard and, and Urza's relationship in fairy tale. It was a thing that was like the entire point of his existence was to have that floating over them where they they couldn't be together for certain reasons and then for certain other reasons that they were related to the first reasons, but were slightly situationally different this time. And that was just kind of a thing that kept them apart for the whole series. And you're supposed to want them to get together. Uh-huh. All said, do you think anyone's favorite relationship, romantic speaking wise, from fairy tale is the two of them. Yes. I, anyone, I guarantee them. there are people who absolutely do. Um, yeah. Uh, yes, I guarantee it. I guarantee there are some people who did find that relationship actually good. They're, they, you know, when I was six or when I was 12, I also enjoyed things that weren't actually that good. I, I, I don't mean to be shit. I just, I fucking, I hate these character designs that this is like the third time this character design is being reused in a fucking hero manga. Anyway, let's move on beyond that, Chris. Let's we go to Chainsaw that. Man. <laughs> Maybe the last time ever, but... It's the last chapter of Chainsaw Man. Uh, so... <laughs> Last time, Denji proclaimed he was going to eat Makima one meal at a time. And we get a two-page spread of him eating her. But fortunately, the remains look just like normal food, basically. Uh, Otherwise, that'd be kind of really, really fucked up. (laughs) 
Chapter 97, I Love Chainsaw, Denji's Eaten Stuff. Everything is, like, labeled what it, what it is, uh, except for one plate of what I swore for a while was just Makima's hair. And I'm not 100% convinced it's not. Yeah, I'm not 100% certain what that's supposed to be. What was Makima's hair color? I think it was red. Mm, maybe that's like her hair blended up into pasta? I don't know I what don't the know. fuck that is. Yeah, it really does. <laughs> That'd be great. It's like, oh, I wish I hadn't saved that pile of her hair until the end of the meal. <laughs> he just has to. He just, he just has to eat a pile of her hair <laughs> by the handful. He's like, oh, I shouldn't have saved this to last. Ng, do you want to like puree that and like make it into a sauce or something? No, no, already started. <laughs> It's it's stuck in my teeth. So much of it's stuck in my teeth. I go <laughs> like a cat. <laughs> so we cut forward to where uh, Denji goes out to see Kishibe, who and he's walking all of Makima's dogs. And he's got he's, he's got Miaui sitting on his head, and that's very sweet to me. <laughs> it's like Miaui's just like, no, I'm not gonna walk. Carry me, human. <laughs> so he sits down on a park bench with Kishibe, uh, and a random woman that I thought for a second might be. Oh gosh, I've forgotten her name briefly. The girl who lived. <laughs> oh, uh, Kobeni? Yes. For a brief moment, I thought that it was her, but I guess it's just some random passerby has just been like, ooh, dogs, because they're going. No, it's it's a little girl, I think, right? Isn't that... She does get introduced later, but I don't think she gets pointed. Eh, well, I guess she's got the right, the right hair for it. It probably yeah. is her. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway. He reports to Kishibe that I ate it all. Uh, and she didn't revive from my stomach or from the crapper either. I'm glad that they got to that joke before we did, because I would have also been like, what if he shits her out and she forms her and then she's a poop bucket? They're like, no, we got it. We're we're going to be classier than you would as well and not actually get into it. You can't out low bro low brow me. Yeah, they're like fucking nerd. What do you think you could do? Walk into my territory? This is my domain. This is my yard. Uh Kishibe uh is kind of curious about something though, which is I don't know really how you actually killed Makima, because attacks don't work on her. And Digi actually has a theory about that, which is I didn't want to actually hurt Ms. Makima. I honestly feel that way. I ate her to become one with her, and that's not an attack. It's love. Uh, so Kishibe says, well, it either worked completely by chance due to the specific terms of the contract or just a matter of perception, but I'm interested in something else. How did you get the drop on Makima when you were fighting her? How did she not notice you? And Denji looks sadder when he gives this explanation, which is, I had the hunch based on the conversations we'd had, the intel on enemies and all that. The thing about Ms. Makima is she perceives us via scent. She doesn't actually remember individual faces. She only remembers the sense of people she has interest in. So I made a gamble. 
I bet that the whole time Ms. Makima had only been looking at Chainsaw Man, not me. She never saw me even once from the start. And Chris, we have a great uh, community and uh, they're active on our Discord server. And when Mm -hmm. this chapter came out, some people were helpfully providing uh, little bits of evidence that uh, fueled this, uh, that were had set this moment up from like chapter three or something like that. When Makima talked about smelling two different scents inside of Denji's body and all sorts of other things like the conversations she had with him in the movie theater and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. it's all coming full circle. This, the story of Makima here. Yep. All the kids who had come over to play with the dogs run off in the park, except for one who was still playing with one of the dogs. And, and Denji's like, we're having a top secret conversation. Leave. And she bites him on the finger. And he realizes, wait a minute. I know this bite. Ms. Makima. And yeah, uh, she's got Makima's eyes, too. So maybe you don't see everyone by faces either. (laughs) Well, it's again, someone in our discord pointed out that like early on the series, Makima did bite Denji's finger. And he's like, I'll remember how that bite feels forever or something like that. And uh, so Kishimi reports this kid was discovered in China. I nicked her. I appreciate that he just freely admits like, yeah, I basically kidnapped her. <laughs> but well, he says, can you really kidnap her when she doesn't have anywhere she's actually from? Like, I don't presume that when devils are reincarnated, they come with a family. I assume she just materialized out of the ether somewhere. I guess you make a good point. But Kishibe says, this isn't Makima anymore. She's the control devil. Makima is dead. The new control devil shouldn't have her memories or anything else. But if we let the government raise her, then she'll turn out like Makima again. And then she just says, I don't want to eat any more meat. <laughs> like, That's your... She nearly took over the world. She killed your best friends. <laughs> So Kishibe says, so I'm entrusting her to you. I'm going to be busy. So I figure that leaving her in your care is the best course of action. And Denji doesn't look very sure about this. But as he looks at the new girl and she points at him and says, doggy, which that's kind of disturbing that she still makes that connection that Makima did. Denji's like, no, there's no way. But then the girl gets on one of the dogs and kind of just like riding around on it. So Denji is like, what's your name, little girl? Her name is Nayuta. And he says, is there anything you want to eat besides meat? And she says, I want sliced bread. And Denji's like, you're a pretty inexpensive devil to keep, aren't you? And she gives him a victory sign. <laughs> she gives like, him. Damn right, I'm cheap. To- <laughs> she gives him specifically the Denji victory sign, too. Oh, he gives her a piggyback ride back to his apartment and they go to bed. Uh, He sleeps next to her while they're surrounded by all the dogs. And in his dreams, Pochita appears before Denji again. And he flashes back to when they pelled each other when he was a little kid and when he came across Pochita in the alley. And Pochita says, Denji, my dream was to have someone hug me. It sounds easy, right? But I'm too strong, so it was actually really hard. 
but you made my dream come true. Denji, I want you to grant the control devil's dream too. The control devil always wanted to form equal relationships with others, but she could only form relationships through the power of fear. She's always longed for something like a family. That's the kind of world she wanted to create, even if she went about the way. So you create that world for her, okay? And Denji starts to ask, well, how do I do? And Pochita just smiles and says, give her lots of hugs. And in their sleep, Denji is hugging the girl protectively now while they're still surrounded by the dogs. And then we get a bit of a flash forward. There is a giant devil attacking the city. Who can save us? Well, Denji is on the scene. He's in a high school uniform. And he's preparing to face down the, de- the devil while narration tells us, do you think the Chainsaw Man is human? Killing devils is supposedly his hobby. They say he only saves girls. Have you heard? Rumor has it. Chainsaw Man is a high schooler now. And then we get a text box that says, end of part one public safety arc. And then at the end at the end. <laughs> so... <laughs> So is it the end of the series or is it the end of part one? Well, this seems to suggest that, the, I mean, we know that this is the final chapter of Chainsaw Man in Weekly Shonen Jump, uh-huh. but it seems as though there is going to be another part of the story in another magazine. I yeah, don't it's, think it's, it's going to jump plus. It's, it has. It, it's going to jump plus, which does have a little bit looser guidelines to it. So maybe you could just draw uh, some straight-up titties at points if uh, Chainsaw Man really wants to. Um, just get that one, but in full, like, explicit yeah. detail. <laughs> I was going to say, it's going to be what, chapter 89 or whatever the fuck that was. Um, so uh, it's still kind of unclear exactly what the future of Chainsaw Man is. I don't think we have an idea when it starts. I don't know if we have any confirmation that Viz will still be publishing it. I assume Manga Plus will, because I thought that was sort of like a working relationship with Jump Plus, but it might just be that too many fucking internet, like, like too many, like, advanced companies now just put Plus at the end of their company name, and I (laughs) assume a connection there. So, you know, maybe there's that. Fuck, was Google Plus a thing? Was that their shitty social network? Yeah. It was, yes. Ugh. Anyway. I made everyone register for it for various different programs, and everyone was like, no, I don't <laughs> want to use this. <laughs> so eventually they gave up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, so like to what, what I'll say, basically, is um, I like this chapter a lot. I, I really thought this was a nice way to close out the story. It's supremely, like, kind of odd, but very right that the story ends with, out of nowhere... Denji is now the protector of this basically little girl who also happens to be the reincarnation of a very powerful devil. So it's like, okay, there's a lot of things there that, you know, are kind of exciting prospects to follow. I also do enjoy the detail that uh, Meowie is in the family as well mm-hmm. and really seem to enjoy Kishibe, who fucking bolted like a was- gr- <laughs> I think that it wasn't he was trying to dump the girl on on Denji. He was just like, I can't be around this cat anymore. Because yeah. <laughs> there are various points when he's just kind of like picking Meowie off of himself and holding him at arm's length and stuff like that. So, yeah, uh, lots of little details in the, in the action that I didn't really go over because of the importance of the dialogue. But but really yeah, like I, I so if the next series 
follows high schooler Denji and the world that we're then following from there. That could be a very exciting series. You know, this sort of Wolverine fucking or Logan, I guess, was the name of the movie. Like, hey, you know, older adult lead taking care of younger little girl. They have adventures. Wackiness ensues. Probably gets dramatic and sad at points. But I, I absolutely would be interested in in following that. But I don't know necessarily. Like, again, we don't currently know what Chainsaw Man part two is going to be yet i know there's a big uh feature planned for it at jump fiesta probably show off some of the anime um Mm -hmm. but we don't know anything about this next part yet it's just like i'm not sure how much i can stress how good of a chapter this is because it left me feeling good in two very different ways which is this is a very good finish like it makes you feel like there's a lot of closure to this and it's kind of sweet that things kind of turned out this way between what is left of makima and denji uh and also the note that pochita leaves him on of like hey you can you can make things turn out well for this girl uh, that you know makima was not was not able to have uh but also this stuff that they have left us with in terms of hey denji's adventures continue has got me really excited to see more of Chainsaw Man. Yeah. So it, it's a very good final note and also a very good and we'll see you next time kind of notes. So great finish to this. This. this uh, and um, I will definitely read whatever Chainsaw Man version comes out when it next appears. So. Vroom, vroom, everybody. Vroom, vroom. Yeah. Let's move over to Maguchan, God of Destruction, The North Wind and Sun, Part One. That's right. It's not a one shot, one off chapter. <sighs> so, Magu is trying to wake up Ruru. She is reluctant to wake up, so he threatens to blow up her blanket, which gets her to actually wake up. But then she sees a message. That has come from her mother, which is her mother is going to be able to actually visit for Christmas. Uh, so she goes to school that day. She's telling the news to Ren and he's happy for her. And while she's talking about her mom, Maku is like, what is this mom you speak of? <laughs> because he's such a weirdo like that. Uh, so he points out when he learns that, oh, you mean mother? Do lowly humans not form groups based on blood relations? Basically pointing out, why isn't she around if she's your mother? And Rue explains that, well, my dad died when I was little, and my mom used to work multiple jobs, but that was really hard on her, so she actually went overseas to raise money for my school tuition. That's why she works abroad. And she doesn't get to visit very often because it's so expensive to travel over here, and also the COVID. Uh, So... She's like, oh, I'm really looking forward to being here. I'm, I'm glad that you're going to get to meet her, Magushan. There is no one in the world that I look up to more than my mom, which I think gives Magu a little bit of pause because she's his number one worshiper, supposedly. So for her to say that might, you know, cause concern to him. Uh, they go to the occult research club and yeah, everyone's you know talking about exchanging gifts and stuff like that. 
uh, Yuika is saying like, hey, we should do a gift exchange. Do you want to come to that? Do you want to do you want to do a Christmas party, Ruru? And she's like, well, I've got I've got plans with family. Uh, Maga wants to know what Christmas is because he didn't know what Halloween is. So, of course, he doesn't know what Christmas is uh, when he hears that it's basically you know, a Western version of a winter festival. He's like a festival. And then it's explained. Oh yeah. It has roots as like a Christian holiday. And then he's like a pagan holiday. So Magu says, keep the Christ out of Christmas. He doesn't want to. <laughs> I do like a pagan holiday. Like I think all religions are pagan to you, right? <laughs> so of course he's got a very different like idea of who Santa Claus is and stuff like that. And so in order to not be outmatched by Santa Claus, he's like, I can gift you your heart's desire as well. Uh, so Yuika's like, oh, then I want a big bag of candy. And Magu is like, very well. I grant you these seeds of darkness. And he's just like vomits out these weird things and invites Yuika to eat them. Okay. Uh... And then, uh, oh God, I can't remember the glasses girl's name, but she's like, can I have a bit of your flesh? And Mog was like, sure. And it turns into a morphalaxis. So she's really happy about that. Uh, Brew during the gift exchange realizes she's got to get a present for her mom. So she's like, well, okay. Uh, I can't exactly like buy anything, but Hey, if she's been abroad this whole time, she's probably not used to how cold it is here. I'll go knit her a scarf and I'll decorate the house. And I'm going to have all this great stuff. I'm going to have everything perfect for my mom to visit. You know where this is going. Uh, Yuika and uh, Komiyama are like, I'm not sure exactly what Rue is getting so worked up about. And Ren kind of drops like, well, yeah, I mean, her family coming over is very special to her because, you know, she's all alone and stuff. And they didn't know about this, uh, presumably because Rue didn't want them to, you know, worry about her living on her own like that. Ruru goes home. She's knitting. She's having a hard time because she presumably doesn't have a lot of experience knitting. But she's like, okay, I've got five days before mom gets here. I can I've got to finish this. I've got to I've got to put up the decorations and everything. Magu wants to help out. Uh, he's like, you need to festoon the living quarters, then leave it to me. And he vomits out a goat skull. Not sure exactly why he says like, oh, it'll be like a chaos skull. He's like, no, don't do that. <laughs> Uh, but you know, time passes. Ruru's like heading. People home don't the use the word festoon enough. I feel like no, that word needs true. to be used far more frequently. We get a montage of Ruru going home from the uh, club meetings early each day, so that she can go and work on the scarf more. Uh, and she's just running out of time as as the day is approaching. Uh. The doorbell rings on the final day before her mom is due to arrive. Izuma is there. And Ruru's like, what are you doing here? And Izuma has a tree over one shoulder. And he's like, yeah, I heard you were going to use this tree for training. So I cut it down for you. So turns out this is the work of Uneris. And she's like, yeah, that's right. It's me, old Saint Uneris. You can't have Christmas without a tree. And Ruru's like, okay, thank, thank you. Uh... But she doesn't have time to decorate the tree. But fortunately, Rin is there along with Ren and Naputaku. And Rin is, I guess, 
recommending that they use Naputuku as the star on top of the tree because she refers to him as here. It's a starfish. So, yeah, I don't know. She's got something in her mouth. Maybe she's baked right now. I, I don't know. Her <laughs> mind. She's, she's she's fucking gone at this point. She's like, I found this starfish in my house for your Christmas tree. <laughs> like, Ren's sister, that's the Putakuni lives with you. Yeah, it talks and shit. Crazy. <laughs> you guys got a couch I can like lay down on? I'm just gonna use the any- floor and just like falls off the ground. <laughs> hey can i have like some doritos and peanut butter not necessarily separate from each other like in my mouth just like you can just like pour them on my chest it's I, cool. I had a dream once about peanut butter doritos could you get me them <laughs> from your dream you mean like you want some peanut butter and doritos no i need i mean peanut butter flavored doritos well those aren't a thing i mean i had a dream about them so yeah they are <laughs> you need to get them from my dream take take this starfish with you <laughs> he'll get them uh so they're you know they're here to help out ren has a cake that they made and i do love naputa uh, Naputuku's only actual contribution to this chapter which is going i made the cake i made it you, you whipped the cream you did not make the cake <laughs> that's <laughs> all he gets to say uh, the the other girl. I get Naputakun like, hey. is a lot more of an entertaining character if you firmly believe he innocently does believe he made the cake. <laughs> it, like despite the fact he only made the cream, which is a very small part of making the cake, but he's very he's like I helped make this cake that is so much cuter and adorable and fun than if he's like I made the cream. So like in a power way, like it's just like a toddler. He's just like I don't know. He thought he made the cake. He just made the cream. But yeah, let him have it. <laughs> Uh, uh, Ruru's other friends show up. They're going to help uh, decorate as well because they heard from the Morphalactic Magu that they got a gift that uh, they were trying to, that she was, you know, in dire straits. She needed to do all this decorating and stuff. And Magu says from atop Ruru's head, Foolish, lowly human, you cannot gauge your own ability as the first among my followers. Remember that you may enlist the aid of others, <laughs> which is... A very evil overlord way of saying it's okay to ask for help sometimes. <laughs> so Ruru focuses on her scarf while everyone else is helping with decorations and stuff like that. They have a nice little Christmas get together and it's very sweet for all of one panel before Ruru realizes that she fell asleep at some point. She's like, oh, I've got to finish the scarf. Oh, oh I already finished it. And with everyone's help, everything's all Christmassy and there's dinner and cake in the fridge. I, must, I really hope mom likes it. Uh, and then she realizes that something feels off because it's really cold. She goes outside and there's all this snow and there, like snow's piling up on the road. Not a whole lot of it, but it's like ankle deep. Mm. And she, I guess, while out, no, she goes inside. Okay, I was like, does she hear the TV from outside? For some reason, no. She goes inside and sees the news report. There has been a record snowfall due to uh, unusual weather and all the major highways are closed off and she gets a message at that moment from her mom. The trains are stopped because of the snow and she's not sure when they're going to start again. And Ruru says she's not sure she's going to be able to make it. (gasps) Nick on Christmas. Oh, not Christmas. It will be ruined. 
the Hallmark movie is sad right now. It's it's going to be happy when there's three minutes left, but it's sad right now. <laughs> uh, look, this is a very simple Christmas story. Like, oh, it's my one chance to see my family, but oh, we might not be able to make it. But you know what, Nick? I'm going to go out on this crazy limp here. I'm going to say with the help of some of her friends, perhaps the super evil god of destruction she has as her friend, uh, they might be able to find a way to get her mom yeah yeah uh so i'm looking forward to that uh it is amusing right now because currently i'm in harrisburg and uh we're getting like two feet of snow right now so it's me being like fuck you i have to go to work tomorrow (laughs) (laughs) do you remember when uh we met for that first magfest and we were driving around in pa's car and i looked outside and i was like guys snow and you were all like I mean, yeah, there's like <laughs> it was like the dirty snow, like yeah, like <laughs> there's fun with snow when it first lays, but then like after a bit, it gets like plowed and it's just piles of dirty, shitty snow. But that's the only snow you had seen, so you're like, oh, let's make a snowman, <laughs> guys, snow angels. Like I think most of that's just gonna be rubble and broken glass. You're like, come on. <laughs> And you're all like, you pleb. <laughs> Got some actual snow a few a few uh, magfests after that. And I was like, oh, wow. And then I was like, this all sucks. <laughs> you're like, I hate every part of this. And you're like, yes, now you truly understand snow. It's really not special or fun. It's awful. Oh, man. <laughs> Chris. All right, Nick. Passing off the baton to you for this most important and deep of chapters. We never learn. Let's do it. We never learn. Chapter 186, a pizza bed equals the queen of thin ice part nine. So it's Uega and Kirisu's moving day. I'm not sure why it is. It's only really here to kind of get through another because it's also their wedding day. And basically they're, yeah, they're bad plan. Yeah, I assume Kirisu just planned everything, and that's why it's a complete fuck-up. Because there's no other reason why they moved into the same day other for her to be like, Oh, but I wanted to, like, move- I wanted to begin our lives together this day. And you're like, I mean, you could have lived together- You could at least had his stuff over at this place or something like that as opposed to moving. Anyway, the clock's broken, so they had to rush out to the wedding. Again, this actually doesn't play into anything. It's just a wee way to get like a joke of Kirisu being like, well, I guess I'm going to have to really speed. And Yuega being like, aren't you already speeding? They get to the wedding place. All their friends are there. And they're all really happy. Yuega's uh, <laughs> family's there. His little sister's very sad because she's like, my big brother's getting married. Um, Uega's mom's like, yep, I know that my husband really cared about your future, so I'm sure he's really glad you're marrying my kid. Uh, it feels a little weird, I guess, to say that out loud, but, you know, I'm sure it'll work out. Uh, Kirisu's parents show up to be like, we've resolved our conflict with you. We could have done this in a chapter, but it was more important that you played a video game in your underwear in that one chapter. <laughs> so... We've resolved our conflicts. <laughs> You're like, okay. Um, just has the line, you know, like, I'll devote myself to forever and always to her happiness. Boom, they do the wedding ceremony. Uh, people pointed out in Discord that, like, look, the other girls are there in the panel where Uega, yes. where she goes through there. In the back. Yeah, I was like, yeah, I guess silhouettes about them. So I guess so. Uh, really, honestly, the rest of the chapter 
barely is even about the two of them. It's really more about just the sacrament of marriage in a way, because it's just talking about like, this is what lifting the bride's veil means and the walk down the alley and all these different things. Uh, Uega's dad force goes <laughs> to the fucking ceremony. <laughs> Hang on, Chris. I, I just flipped the page back and forth, and now it's uh, it's actually uh, Hayden Christensen has been drawn there instead of you, his dad. I don't know why. I don't know. I mean, like, you, you think that he would be like old and stuff, but no, he's he's all young again. <laughs> it really is funny if you just imagine that, like, there was an empty seat there for no reason, and his dad just force ghosted in, and for some reason the Ewoks are there doing the Wub Dub song. <laughs> um. Anyway. Or, like, someone actually is sitting there, and they've just been, like, taken over by some sort of ghost. <laughs> you are you a father now. Firmino's just like, ah, ah, ah. Yes. I'm proud of this thing. Um, I also, it seems like both of them noticed Yuika's dad force ghosting in and smile, because they all have... Been drugs now, Chris. So. <laughs> They're both on the same ambient. Uh, anyway... I don't know if this is supposed to be the same day or what, because Kirasu basically talks about how refreshed, like how weird it feels to be like, oh, now we're officially a couple as they walk alongside the riverbed. Uh, Uega's like, you know, it'd be nice. Uh, you know, we're we're gonna create a beautiful family together. Kirasu takes that Amelia as in like we're gonna have kids. So she's like, how many kids do you want? He's like, what? No, I meant like you know we're gonna have to like share joint bank accounts and shit like that. Uh, but she's like, hey, you know what? I'm a happy person. Yeah, we're probably going to have kids. Uh, and that's the way the story ends. Boom. Kerosene route done. Yeah, they're happy together. That's nice. Mm -hmm. uh, so a curious thing, by the way, uh, hang on. I got to go through the most important measurement. Hang on. I got to remind myself. Uh, Kirisu's dress does not have shoulder straps. So that, uh, uh, that's going to be... Uh, it's gonna be a three. It, you know. it oh, wait, there's a good ass shot. There's a good ass shot at the beginning. Four. Yeah, right, I was so. gonna say you do get that. Also, her her shoulders. She does have one shoulder strap. It's made of flowers, though. So I don't know. That might be a whole other thing. Oh, that qualifies or not? I don't know. I'll have to take it up with the board to determine <laughs> what, where that falls uh, before we give the final score yeah. to, uh, to that very important uh, demographic. Anyway, so <sighs> this is kind of like nothing chapter to yeah. me like there's nothing wrong with it intrinsically i don't think if this had followed a much better story arc i think we would have been very happy with this honestly mm -hmm. it's just a very straightforward it's like hey they got married and you know what for for we we joke about the fan service and we never learn but honestly for a lot of people this kind of stuff is just porn just as you're saying the the, the sacrament of marriage all the stuff everyone lined up and everything they're in the church together he lifts the veil and everything like that. You just get to see it just happen. Uh, and, and which you didn't get to see happen in any of the story routes. So might as well, you know, have it be something different about this one. But there's kind of like not a whole lot to them as characters, except for the little bit at the beginning of, you know, them having to drive really quickly and the bad planning. So it's just kind of like, yep, this chapter happened and they got together. Hooray. The most interesting thing about this to me is... The final story arc of the five roots is over now. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the chapter, there's a notification that says next chapter is December 20th. Yes. 
Which is very weird to see below the words root five out of five end. <laughs> no one at this moment knows what this route is. I've heard a couple theories. I won't throw them out there just because I don't want to like spread rumors because I don't think anything has currently been really substantiated yet. Um, but there is at least one more chapter for we never learn and i don't like i have no idea what it could be because you can't confirm any of these routes or you ruin the whole point of these routes which is like any of them could be canon also this completely fucks with the volume schedule like i guess the kirisu volume will just have the secret like the secret extra chapter to it because like you can't posthumously put it in the other volumes like if it's supposed to be like a general conclusion do we have confirmation that the next chapter is definitely going to be the last one the last thing i, I heard it was but i i mean i don't think there's a hundred percent confirmation at this point because I, I mean i was looking at stuff and I didn't say see anything saying like, oh, it's going to end next week. And there's nothing at the end of this chapter that says next chapter will be the, the conclusion or anything like that. So I don't know. I mean, like. Maybe there will be some sort of neutral ending or God forbid, a harem ending like and that'll be like the final route and we'll get a full nine chapter arc out of that. Um, But I, one way or another. It just does kind of feel weird to first end the series and then say that was one of five endings and we're going to do all the other endings and then do the fifth ending and say, come back for more next week. <laughs> like, just keep going. How many times can this can one series end? This is like this is if this happens one more time, we're going to be in seven deadly sins territory. It was like, I think it's over. So it was like, oh, my God, oh, it's not. The next chapter, Uwega gets crushed by a rock at the end. And I was like, what the <laughs> fuck? Um, yeah, no one really knows what this is. Um, <laughs> It is so weird to think about how we're like still just like sitting there. But at the same time, I'm like, I don't know. I guess I kind of want we never learned to go out on any other note than this one. So, <laughs> you know what? Fucking go. And this is when the monkey pearl, like the monkey paw curls and like it's the fucking sister route or some shit like that. I'm just like, oh, God, no, <laughs> take it back. I mean, I do. I am curious if there's going to be like some sort of ending where like you just doesn't end up with any of the girls yeah. like there's just you know that's just not a focus or like some heretofore even unseen girl is whoever he winds up with or there's a route where he ends up with a guy who guess maybe you was by this whole time i don't know it's just you know i there are many different things that, that could happen here as we're continuing this i'm crossing my fingers primarily against the sister route that's the one that i'm just like please don't do that <laughs> i don't think that they will and i think that that's less realistic but still a bigger concern for me than the other thing i don't want to happen that i'm crossing my fingers against which is the harem route oh no there's there's that, one other one you need to one cross has a better chance of happening but it doesn't concern me as much as the as the first option there's so. there's one other one you need to focus on nick pizza bet route Pizza bet route. Pizza yes. bet route. <laughs> There's one more chance. It's not done yet. 
I'm sorry. I've been so upset about Kirisu this whole time, and Ogata hasn't shown up for the last two rounds, so I forgot all about that. <laughs> There's still a chance for it. Uh, that'll be it. That'll be the everyone is gay round. Where it's oh, man. off with the same sex partner. <laughs> that'd be fucking, that'd be the best. There's happiness for everybody, and I get a pizza. <laughs> which is which is your pairing <laughs> oh me and pizza are a fucking otp man oh man that's the best we'll call, we'll call it like uh i don't know what do you like your pizza man i don't know <laughs> <laughs> what oh yeah no what do you like on your pizza? oh I'm trying to think of something oh uh pepperoni all right okay so we'll we'll do, it'll be like root six out of five uh the pepperoni palace. <laughs> a little pep in your step or some uh, shit like that. <laughs> awesome. All right. We're, we're past this conversation. Moving on. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. All right, Nick. Oh, shit. Never mind. We can't go on to the next chapter, Nick. No. Not? This is the Dr. Fucking Chelsea chapter. It is involved. Dr. Chelsea is heavily involved in this chapter, but you know what? It was probably her best chapter so far. She was the most bearable, I think. Uh, Big two-page color spread at the beginning of Dr. Stone, where everyone's holding up two fingers because Dr. Stone's second season is starting soon. And so Yo, Wanukyo, and Nikki are all heavily featured because they were in the key art for the second season. Anyway, uh... Last chapter, um, Joel, I believe was his name, the watchmaker, uh, managed to briefly reactivate the petrification device. Uh, he is revived immediately with revival fluid. It looks like he didn't even break what he fell to the ground, so that makes cleanup really easy. Uh, Joel says that he is, now that he's had this little breakthrough, he is determined to figure out exactly how this thing works. He's going to keep going after this task until he can't work anymore. Uh, and he says, no matter how brutal the job, I will scale this proverbial mountain as long as it stands in my way. At that moment, Senku's group is trying to scale a literal mountain. Um, so <laughs> my favorite part of the chapter, honestly, might be the part where they very briefly establish that when they camp for the night, they hunt some armadillos and cook them. <laughs> it's just crammed in this one corner of the page. I'm like, can you do that? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Can you eat armadillo? All right, I'll come back to you with what I find. All right. The answer uh, is yes, <laughs> apparently. Okay, cool. While they're eating, they also are planning on what they're going to have to do. Uh, and so, but, but up, they go over that, they go over that. Uh, they bring up the problem of like what they're going to do once they reach the Amazon rainforest. Uh, that's going to help because the plane won't be able to track them. They'll have the natural barrier of the rainforest and they can't actually land or attack. Uh, but the key is to actually reach that the barrier to that forest. Uh, Chelsea does a weird hand and face before pointing over the mountain. She's like, after we cross the Andes, we're going to run into that dense rainforest and then we'll be home free. Uh, and so there's a there's some other stuff that happens. Bah, 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 bah. I don't care. Uh, f- 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 <laughs> uh, 
they do establish some things about how the world has changed because humans haven't been around for several thousand years, which is an interesting point to bring up that, you know, human influence on weather patterns has been removed. So there's, you know, more cold seawater and and La Nina has been different and stuff like that. So Chelsea just kind of like pulls all this out because of her geography expertise and stuff like that. And then they say the whole planet's connected by science. Anyway, for the whole thing of them actually getting to the mountain, the plan that is brought up, Chelsea mentions, hey, we're going to have to like play musical chairs here. We're going to have to alter the way that people are sitting on the on the motorcycles. And for the amount of time that this plot point is relevant, they spend a lot of time on it. But not too upset about that. So, so she asks Luna how much she weighs, and Luna freaks out very briefly because, you know, she's been asked such, such a personal blunt question, and she lies about her weight by a bit. She says she uh, pounds and her followers are like, oh, yes, she's so slim and trim. Wait, not with those proportions, which I guess that means that they're saying, yeah, but she got that butt, though. So she could not possibly be that. She that does. Way. It's it's honestly very distressing to me that she has those proportions and they still make she's still wearing that fucking dress that looks like it barely fits on her. I'm like, come on, you got to get something like that feels comfortable. That can't possibly feel comfortable. So the question that they're getting at and that everyone in the planning group seems to have caught on to, which is they need the motorcycles to be as close to the same weight as possible, because if one of them was weighed down more then that is going to cause it to lag behind the others. Uh, so. When Luna hears this, she's like, well, you know, I know weight matters, but uh, I've got the feeling that if Senku and I are on the same bike, then that would work out great. And Chelsea, bizarrely enough, immediately realizes like, oh, you've got a crush on Senku, don't you? Uh, and she says it in a way that's much more annoying than that, but I'm just going to limit it to that. Luna gets embarrassed very briefly, but then she's like, I mean, yeah, yeah, we're 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 dating. We've got an you know, an average relationship between two cool, capable adults. And her followers are like, ah! And Haku's like, yeah, no, you don't. <laughs> uh, so we actually get the end of that uh, conversation she had with Senku when they were on the uh, uh, Perseus. And she was going to offer to help if Senku would be her boyfriend. And <sighs> Senku, you dumbass. So... At least he was upfront with her when he was like, oh, so you want to have like a political marriage kind of thing. Well, you've got people who follow you around, right? Yeah, it sounds like a good idea. <laughs> so, so he agreed to it on those terms because, yeah. So everyone hears this explanation and Chelsea's just kind of like, yeah, it doesn't really sound like you're like a romantic item to me. And Luna's very upset to hear this. Her followers are very relieved. And Gog is like, yeah, I kind of figured that, uh, that was the case. Yeah. Luna's not giving up though. So, so Senku whips up a scale, uh, using by, you know, using some tires, one as the fulcrum and a couple of others as the platforms. And he says that when he first revived, he actually made a ruler based off of his own height. Uh, and then he's like, and then uh, if we use that, we'll, we can take 10 centimeters, 10 cubic centimeters of water is one kilogram. And they use that to make a set of weights that they can use the scales on. And so from that, they measure everyone's weight down to the nearest kilogram. We actually get everyone's weights that is in this group. And then they're added together and they're all roughly around 200 kilograms. There is some interesting stuff in terms of like, you know, who, you know, Tsukasa is the heaviest. 
uh, out of the like adults, Chelsea is the lightest, but then it's Francois, which is a little bit surprising. But then you think about like, yeah, they're pretty short. So, so they've balanced out the motorcycles. Cool. They ride their motorcycles is sort of an odd detail that Zeno is paired with the two guys who are loyal to him. And you're like, uh, I guess they're more loyal to Luna than him, but (laughs) I'd still be a little sus about that. I'd I'd joke I jokingly make a uh, make a ter- uh, call them a certain name you know just in jest but apparently it's against Twitch's it's t- banned. US now so can't, can't can't do, do that. that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, everyone rides their motorcycles up the mountain for two pages, uh, and then the mountain gets too steep for their motorcycles. Oh no! Stanley is going to catch them in the plane that they have managed to fix and go after them. Uh, so everyone's like, what are we going to do? I mean, if we, if we push our motorcycles up, we're going to lose too much time. Are we going to toss the bikes and cargo and go up that way with nothing but the stuff we can carry? But Senku says, no, we're not leaving anything behind. We're going to compete against that plane with a transport route born of science, a ropeway. I've never heard this thing called a ropeway before, but it's, you know, those cars that go along cables suspended. I think I've always heard them as cable cars. Mm hmm. So, hooray, that's what they're planning on doing next. Yeah, uh, so, you know, there's some fun stuff to this chapter. Um, I think this was actually a really good chapter for Luna, as you kind of get to see more of her personality a little bit and get some kind of funny jokes at that expense. Uh, You know, I'm sure if you're a big fan of the series, too, you're going to get to enjoy kind of knowing a little bit more of the details about these characters. I mean, knowing their heights and weights isn't really that big of a deal, but... You know, for some people, I think that's going to be a kind of fun thing to know and, and to, like, you know, use an analysis and things like that. Uh, however, Dr. Chelsea out loud says lol at one point in the chapter. Yeah. So this is a zero out of ten for me, unfortunately, guys. <laughs> I don't make the rules, but this that's just how you have to score it. Why don't you make the rules? Aren't you a lord? Uh, you know, you know what? I'm right. Stays a zero out of ten chapter. <laughs> All right, then. <laughs> but the word right, simp is unbanned. uh let's move on to uh mashal let's talk about mashal nick mashal chapter 43 mash burn dead and the wondrous wand shop uh Mm -hmm. so mash ends the starts the chapter by saying and that's what happens so he basically has described the events to his classmates and they're like oh wow uh you're embroiled with that group and you can't use magic got it we need to have fun. That's all the contacts we get. They immediately are like, boom, we're going to hang out on Dalgon Alley. Or sorry, uh, Marchette Street. It's very different. Um, basically, it's like a hangout festival. So uh, we see Finn there. He's like, cool, I'm going to hang around. Uh, someone shows up in full. Like He's like, oh, I wonder how everyone dresses outside of school. So he, like, someone shows up in a full suit of armor, which I believe is Doubt. And he's like, fun, it's just another kind of battle. Finn's like, I don't know what the fuck that means. Yeah. So then it, someone says, I'm here. And Finn's like, oh, that has to be MASH. And MASH is like rolling down the street with one of those ab machines. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, I've never gone out with friends before, so I wasn't sure what to wear. And they're like, so you chose this? Boy. <laughs> uh, then Lance shows up. 
And Finn for a moment is like, oh, thank God, Lance is normal. And he like rips open his shirt and has a picture of his little sister on it. And he just says, love. So uh, that's we get. His, that's his Superman reveal. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. I'm a siscon. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so they joke, they're like, oh, hey, they, they actually all start wearing normal attires after that, and they go to play a game where you, like, tickle a koala, and it shoots so javelins of snot, and you play it like darts, which at first sounds really stupid, and then you remember some of the games they made up in the Harry Potter universe, and you're like, no, you know what, this is about on the same level as some of that stuff, so... Oh, go ahead with talking it. about Chris. Look, the snitch is worth 15 <laughs> times as many points as throwing a quaffle through a hoop, which is way which, which can just be done back and forth. So. <laughs> I'm not saying the game is poorly designed, but um, you know what? I say that isn't there like an actual Quidditch league in the real world where guys like run around is on there, brooms there and shit. Is- there is real world Quidditch, yes. Uh, man. Anyway, uh, Doubt does it. He's like, it works out. Mash is like, I'll try it. Uh, Doubt's just, or actually, Doubt doesn't do it the first time. Someone else just does it. Mash watches and is like, I'll try it. And Doubt's like, a beginner's not going to be able to hit the target. And the koala sneezes just shoots an ice, like a snot icicle right into Doubt. <laughs> Wait, now he's Dot. Or no, is that just what Mash he's says? Dot. He's Dot, that's right. I'm sorry, Dot. Uh, it was Doubt at the beginning. Yeah, I, 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 I thought it was I thought it was Dot and became Doubt, and now, yeah, okay. Um, it's funny how that kind of confusion from inconsistency can arise. Yes. Yeah, uh, Mash burned dead, right? Or Van dead, what's he going Van um, Dread? <laughs> uh, so, Dot... Geo Van Dreddy? <laughs> Dot's like, all right, I'll show you how it's done. And basically just does the same thing. And Mash responds with a flying arm bar. It just, <laughs> just starts putting it on. <laughs> um, they decide to go to the wand shop because Lance is like, I thought I might try a new wand uh, uh, for try. And then he brings up, he's like, hey, you know, the rumor is the divine visionary selection exam is near. And they're moving it forward because of zero innocent zero's influence, which is good for us. But, you know, I want to let you know, Mash. I'm not going to make it easy on you. I want to become the the visionary, divine visionary for this year as well. So, you know, keeping that out there. So I do like the tease of like, hey, these guys are friends right now, but they're going to be enemies sometime soon. They go to the wand shop. Um, you know, there's a bit of a moment of like, hey, how you summon your wand is basically by just like channeling your magic power. And then it kind of brings a wand of that compatible nature to you. So Finn does it, gets a pretty normal looking wand. Lance does it and gets like this crate. It looks like the obsidian Keyblade essentially from kingdom hearts where it's like all black and covered in like wrinkles and scars and shit like that. It's very dope and ridiculous. Uh, and mash is like, uh, Oh wait, I actually, I see one that's like, lodged in the floor over there and the store owner's like yeah we've had that in the shop but it's too heavy for anyone to lift it said that elf water springs up from beneath it and that could be used to create magnificent wands but it's no more than a legend not in a thousand years has anyone with strength or magic been able to lift it 
And of course, Master Sans is like, "What the fuck? Why did you do that, you dumbass? He's definitely going to do her now." The guy's like, "What?" And Master, why did you give the god hit points? <laughs> and Mash just immediately picks up the wand, just like, "Boink! I'll take this one." Then the water starts shooting up into the air. The guy has like three straight panels of being like, "Ah, ah, ah! You can have the wand." And then there's just a little note that Lance didn't buy one either, so it's just like, "Why is it there?" Um. I will say this, Mash seems really fucking happy to have this wand. Uh, we get a, a moment where Lemon shows up, where she's like, Lemon, oh, sorry, Lemon and Tom. I almost forgot Tom Fowles, Nick, remember? Yeah. <laughs> uh, they basically just have a series of fun little scenes together. Uh, it literally starts to dissolve in art style until they're all just stick figures going, yay! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, they all, like, have a moment where they're like, yeah, we're living our best student lives! And Mass just says, I had fun. I've never gone out with friends before. Let's come back sometime. And they agree. They're like, yep, we're all gonna come back. That's chapter. Bamboo! Bamboo, yep. I forgot that was his character trait, so. I forgot he was a character. So. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, come on. <laughs> It was nice. Uh, it was nice to see, you know, some characters playing off of each other. I legit do wish that it hadn't just been the hero squad that we got for, you know, oh, yeah. mission uh, last time and that Lemon had actually been there to interact with them because as a result of that whole thing, Lemon has not really gotten to bounce off of a lot of the characters as much as they've already gotten to bounce off of each other. So it would have been nice to have a bit of extra with that. If she's going to be an important character or at least a relevant character, it would be nice to see more sides of her that way but what we did get was really good i love the weird fight that dot and mash have after impaling each other's skulls with snot icicles um and uh, i also like the little bit of like hey everyone kind of got a little bit of power up from these uh wands and there's this wand that is completely useless to everyone else because it's too fucking heavy but in mash's hands it'll probably be really helpful because it's you know super heavy so you could use it to club people with it presumably so i like this yes yeah i think it's a very little fun chapter small but fun i'll look forward to seeing where uh, we go now that yeah mash has like a lead pipe to nail people with <laughs> uh let's move on to ayakashi triangle chapter 25 the lightning fast father uh they are going to nino karu's house uh, because Mansuri's like, Figure we could train together. He's got a dojo. Uh, he warns Suzu's like, you know, it might be boring. You could just like stay home. Uh, but Suzu's like, no, no, I want to go too. And <laughs> Shirogane is like, I wanted to go home and eat Suzu Dango dumplings. And Suzu's like, I'll just give you twice as much when we get back. And <laughs> Matsuri is like, yeah, all right, I'm going to improve myself and I'll gain confidence. And Susie just thinking to herself, I can't let those two be alone because <laughs> the last chapter ended with Matsuri landing all over Ninokuru, so she's getting very protective of him now. So, when they go to Ninokuru's place, it's, you know, old-style Japanese home. It looks like, you know, an old-style dojo from the outside, so. But, uh, Po is in, rushes outside, begging them for help, because he says, he's going to be killed because of my blunder! They go inside, Ninokuru is being beaten up by his father, Muga, and he says, Ponosuke told me, you fell in love and you got your heart broken, but now you're tipped by the Kazumaki boy who turned into a girl. 
Pull yourself together. I can't believe you. It's too early for you to be caught up in love. And Yoko's like, no, no, you're wrong. That's, he's, he's a guy. He's, he's my rival. And he's trying to go after his father, who is carrying a small dish filled with sake, who he dodges out of the way as Ninokuru tries to lunge for it. And uh, he then smacks him on the back of the neck with a bottle of sake. And he drinks from the cup and it says, you know, it's been four, four hours. This is never going to be over at this rate. All you have to do is make me spill a drop of this sake and the spar is over. So we've established the rules of the spar there. Matsuri shows up and, of course, is worried about his friend. And Ninokura's father is like, ah, oh, he looks a lot like his mother now. So, all right. Uh, and then he looks over at Suzu and he is like, ah, oh, yeah, she's she's now the she's the Ayakashi medium. Uh, there's the former king of Ayakashi, Shirogane. The higher ups have a grasp on the situation. It's not my concern. So good to know, like the council seems to like be aware of things and could potentially get involved down the line. So just mm-hmm. nice to have that. Little. So he kind of mocks Matsuri at that point. saying, he's like, ah, oh, you know, you are quite beautiful. I can see why my son is distracted. And Matsuri's like, what the fuck are you talking about? And Nino Kuru's father says, don't drag my son down a path of impurity. Are you enjoying the fact that you turned into a girl, Lady Matsuri? And Matsuri's like, there is nothing impure going on between the two of us, which Nino Kuru is, I guess, upset about because a sound effect goes off by his head that goes sting. I don't know. He's got hormones, man. Yeah, it's very complicated for him right now. Matsuri tries to go after the sake, but has just as little luck as Ninokuru. Um, he appears to like have summoned doubles, and so for a moment, uh, Suzu thinks that he is using the omokage technique. But Shirogane is like, no, 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 that's an Ayakashi technique. He is just using footwork. This is a this is a ninja jutsu. Uh, so Matsuri is you know going after him as hard as he can, but he can never seem to get him. He just slips away. So. Muga starts, starts mocking Matsuri again, and uh, then he's like, with this superhuman skill at will, the this is the essence of the lightning fast Ninokuru clan, so do you understand, Soga? Both of you could come at me, fledglings. So Matsuri and Ninokuru start to go after each other. Oh no, Matsuri collides with Ninokuru as, as his father dodges out of the way, so the two fall on each other. Matsuri is just pissed off about this, but Ninokuru gets distracted when he gets a flash of cleavage, and Suzu's upset about this as well. Ninokuru's father is like, oh, you're blushing, are you having fun? Uh, which gets him pissed off, but Matsuri's like, hold on, I've thought of something. And he says, the jutsu that he's using combines two opposing elements of super fast and super slow. We can do the same, you and me. And in a nice little touch, when he says this, Ninokuru looks at him, and he just sees Matsuri's male body. So in that moment, all the distraction is gone. He just sees his, his friend and ally again. So the two go after him. Ninokuru is like moving around really quickly, uh, but it's just a distraction. His father realizes this. And he's like, yeah, yeah, Kazumaki's going to try and come after when I'm, when I'm unguarded. Not going to work. But then he notices that the wind is moving. He's like, what is he, what is he going to do? And suddenly Matsuri latches onto Ninokuru's waist and basically narrates to explain that, you know, in that last battle that they were in, he is now 
mastered the windless formation. And so he is creating a wind flow in front of Nina crew, decreasing wind resistance, which allows Nina crew to move even faster. And Nina crew thinks to himself, I don't even feel Kazumaki's weight. And it's not just that my body feels lighter. And with the extra boost of speed, he is able to knock the sake cup from his father's hand and they've managed to win the spar. And, uh, Shiragane is <laughs> so Pinosuke is the one who's like, oh hey, so amazing. But Suzu is just like <laughs> because they've gotten closer and she's squeezing Shirogane, who is suffering. So, so Nina Kuru's father's like, You got me. I guess I was wrong. You two are a good match. I approve of your courtship. And of course, they're pissed off uh at him for saying such a thing. And this Nukuro is just like, well, as long as the jutsu holds, he's a girl, so no problem, right? And uh, a paper crane comes in between them and blasts them apart. And Suzu's really pissed off. And he's like, don't be ridiculous. Matsuri is a boy. And uh, so they start arguing uh, with each other because Nukuro's father is like, these two are getting married. And Suzu's like, no, yes, no. And uh, that's where the chapter ends. It's a very weird ending. Yeah, um, it is an odd ending. Um, I don't know. There's there's some large discussions that have been had in our Discord recently about some of the elements of Ayakashi Triangle. And uh, I, I will say I enjoy aspects of this chapter purely on like the technical battle side of it. And the idea of kind of continuing to develop this relationship between uh, Matsuri and uh, Shark Boy, whose name I always forget. Sure. And I kind of like the dad character is like this, you know, meaner Shark Boy, basically. Um, yeah. I don't know properly how to really consume a lot of the way the story does gender and how gender relates to one yeah. another like that's just the part that's very difficult to really find a, a center on so i tend to enjoy akashi triangle the less it deals with it and more just deals on these characters having a relationship because that's just the more interesting part i mean when nino kuru just looks at matsuri's body and he's distracted because he's a hormonal teenager and matsuri happens to now have the body of an attractive you know, woman, then that's one thing. And he is dealing with the complicated situation as best he can. But when an adult dude comes in and is like, hey, you two should be a couple now. It's just like, what the fuck? That is so weird on so many grounds. And it is an unwelcome input. Like it's <laughs> Yeah. And it's made out to be just like a joke. And it's like... And the way that he says, as long as the jutsu holds, he's a girl, so there's no problem. It's like, that's really messed up in ways that you probably don't realize as you're writing that joke into your manga. So it, it's weird because it's like when this stuff is just being dealt with by the confused teenagers who are caught up in a bizarre situation, I feel it's easier to just kind of kind of accept that it on the terms that the manga is trying to present them on, even though they don't really fly in the real world. But when there is a more mature adult stance and also an outsider more explicitly calling Matsuri a girl, then it becomes more difficult to look past those things. 
so as for the chapter itself, I, I, I like big chunks of it. I like, you know, the way that Monster and crew, you know, take a step forward as teammates. And I like the way that their techniques combine together so that they win this uh, little spar. Uh, and I like some of the jokes that are in it. But that is a very, very difficult thing to look past when you get into like, especially because you just know this is going to be this guy's thing going forward, isn't it? Probably. Anytime Nina Karu's dad shows up in the future, it's going to be like, hey, you should marry that Matsuri kid who's a girl now. And it's going to be like, that's it's not the way things are, the way you defi- define them. And it, it's going to upset me every time that it gets brought up. So I don't look forward to that being a thing unless at the very least it's framed in a different way than it was framed in this chapter. Yeah. All right, All Nick, right. let's move on to Black Clover. Page 275, Hellfire Incarnate. So we start with Nature Boy Ric Flair basically explaining the plan. Uh, there's some big, the big ritual spell that's going to be used to connect the underworld to the current world. Has three key points with Yami and uh, William Vengeance in the middle. They can't just take William Vengeance and Yami or they would die. So they have to disrupt all three of the things. Basically, we have to fight the mooks to actually get into the real fight of everything here and stop the plan. So they divide the team into three different groups. Um, there's quite a few characters who don't seem to go along with this, like Seke and things like that don't seem to follow along. So, you know, a couple of them, I assume, will just show up later, like Rade's and Sally and uh, everyone's favorite character, the boy band guy who got a character in Black Clover, because um, he's also on this mission, I believe. Uh, but the three groups divide up. I, uh, I managed to forget about him <laughs> since last week. And so you just mentioned him now. So thanks I, for that. I want to try to find a way to bring him up every week, like even like years from now, <laughs> find a way to make it happen. Um, and Nick, they all. You remember when we covered a series called Black Clover? Oh, like, what? It's me. On... Was a poor bad member. And it's God damn it, Chris. <laughs> it's me on my deathbed. Like, Nick, I have to tell you where the vault of treasure is but first you <laughs> yeah it's like the helling the the flying hellfish from simpsons like it's it's uh we have like some vault that once each of us dies the remaining members get like the keys the last one gets it which is weird there's only two of us so <laughs> uh but i was just like i'll tell you where it is but first do you remember that there was that one boy band member in black clover and just take the pillow and smother uh they do the uh thing where like you're storming a bad guy hideout and a bunch of people are going to come to interrupt you so like you guys go on ahead we'll stay behind so it looks like nozelle fuego leon and dorothy are taking that role for their respective teams got over to mary leona she's fighting a big monster thing and she's like oh wait man that thing's tough i can't can't just hit it with my magic you know because it won't work on it so we get a flashback to when she meets nature boy rick flair and she was like hanging out in lava and uh basically the dude was just like look i'll find you an opponent to like help you gauge your training and that's it so it was a great flashback anyway she got stronger she coats herself in flame magic uses hellfire incarnate and uh seems like she is beating this thing now because she kick and punch now um she does full mana release and and burns him away so presumably that thing's dead forever or they isn't who knows uh and the chapter ends with us seeing the different groups that are kind of like 
confronting different people. We see Charlotte and Rill meeting up with Vanica, uh, the Uno and oh god, Langris is that his name? Meeting up with Zeno, yes, and then uh, Jack the Ripper, the great hero Jack the Ripper, and other character meeting up with uh, who is presumably Dante. We don't. Knocked. Is that knocked? Yeah, that's right. Knocked. Uh, sorry, Nature Boy Flair. Almost got, oh, oh, almost got the name wrong. Uh, we don't see much. I'm so, I'm so sorry that I, I led you down that path and, yeah. and, and forced you to, uh, to break that. Yeah. yeah, well, I'll forgive you. Um, we don't see Dante, so, you know, we'll leave that mystery of how human he even is anymore. But, yep, that's a chapter. Yep, it was a chapter, all right. <laughs> I'm sure the chapter is kind of cool if you like Mario Leona, um, but we don't. Oh, if you like Mario Leona, then like, yeah, if, if you like Mario Leona, it gives you like everything. It's like, hey, you want to see Mario Leona kick ass? Here it is. Hey, you want to see Mario Leona have a dramatic conversation? Here it is. Hey, you want to see Mario Leona interact with with not? Here it is. Hey, you want to see Mario Leona's naked fucking body? Here it is. So there you go. It's, it's you know, it's it's. Everything people wanted from her previous appearances, and also she very briefly talked to the new cool character. So mm-hmm. I'm sure that they gave it a, a bunch of thumbs up. So yep. One piece. Da 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 da. da. Oh wait, hold on. I gotta get my friends here. Yeah. All my friends are here. Ba-da-da-da. Ancient types. Uh, Onigashima is taken off into the air. Uh. Mark of the Phoenix showed up in the party scene. Chopper is running around screaming because uh, Marco casts some flames towards him. You remember last chapter where I was like, you know what? I really appreciate that they set up this thing. There's this big ice disease and a doctor with magic flames is going to come and solve it. And they said, no, Chopper's going to solve that issue. Well, don't worry, because it actually turns out Marco will kind of also solve the problem. Not completely. Chopper's going to develop the antibodies. But yeah. Along with uh, the mink doctors that were that showed up on Zoe, remember that whole thing where he helped them in order to save Cat Viper and Doctor's lives? They're here, hooray! Yeah, uh, uh, Nick. So, so I, I want to like tease out the fact that there's going to be a, 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 a coming break sometime soon, uh, and instead of just doing like nothing during that week or something like that, we're going to actually, I think, do the idea we suggested before, where we're both going to quiz one another on respectively my hero academia and one piece characters to see who knows the most about the cast that they clearly are like you're the one who actually knows about it uh and the prize at the end of it whoever wins will get a veto i think so mm-hmm. the veto's in play it's, again uh i'll let you know actually going to have a veto in the bank match yes so so whoever climbs the ladder by n- fucking knowing who these characters are first wins it i will note miyagi would not be on there because i don't know who the fuck miyagi is i don't even know that's a thing that's just that they just made up a character right there i presume <laughs> <laughs> all right uh, so they're about. They're going to support Chopper as he tries to make more antibodies from the you know stuff that they've got. Also, Marco's a good fighter, so he's just you know casting flames everywhere. But you know, everyone who's got the ice or anything is just like, hey, this fire is not actually burning me. It's it's just you know like, hey, it's fine, cool. We're all gonna work out here. Uh, Queen is pissed off, and uh, he tells people like, hey, steal those antibodies back. You know the enemies are going to bother saving you. And they're like, you think so? And Chopper's like, I'm going to save everyone. 
because you know he's chopper. Anyway, extra gets a big extra extra special reintroduction thing when Apu tries to take the um antibodies back and he just turns into his full Allosaurus form and just goes and bites Apu and stops him. Uh, he's like, hey, if you're capable of seeing me as a true ally, then go and leave this to me. And Zoro's like, well, at least you got talent for picking the winning horse. So it's like, yeah, I'm going to go and you know fight some guys and go up to the roof. Marco has actually offered to fly him up there. Uh, yeah. Uh, we go over to where Luffy and Jimbe are, and they're like, where is Sanji? Maybe he sensed a, f- a powerful foe and is keeping them down on the third floor off our back. And Luffy's like, oh, okay. <laughs> he kind of is, I guess. Way, yes. Um, Jinbei sa- says, like, all right, there, there's a, the same is going on on this floor, though. So one of us needs to stay here. I'll make sure there's an opening. Keep going, Luffy. So split things down and gets one off one on one fights going. Seems to be what is happening all throughout this chapter, basically. Mm-hmm. Frankie uh, uses his tank robot thing to launch some missiles into people uh, in the mission. So uh, Sasaki is like, all right, everyone make way. And he steps forward and he knocks Frankie over on his ass. And he's revealed to have a Triceratops uh, Zoe model. So, and he's a Triceratops who's got the Marine hat, which is. (laughs) Oh, can we just stop to appreciate that Sasaki has the best fucking design when I saw this two-page spread, I was like, fuck yeah, Sasaki is the best member of the Toby Robo because that design is fucking dope. Triceratops, hair, naval hat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like Frankie's reaction too, which is, so you were a dinosaur. <laughs> Apparently, yes. Over to Sanji. He is trying to run away from the people who captured him uh he's running but his hands are still tied up uh, and he uh, manages to trip and fall over uh just as he is confronted by black maria who has revealed her midway transform transformed form which is that she has a spider spider fruit ancient type rosami gale gravugali model i'm guessing some form of ancient spider thing yes it's it's apparently a prehistoric spider uh, that if you look into it is actually like extraordinarily small. That's like the only real detail about it. So cool. <laughs> <laughs> so she has him cornered along with uh, the other women who are, you know, part of the trap. And so she's like, I've got to get out of here. But no matter which way I look, women, 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 what is this place? Heaven? And the girl's just like, what is wrong with this guy? <laughs> Uh, and then we cut over to where Jimbei has now split from Luffy and he is confronting Big Cats. Who's who of the Toby Rappo? Fuck, I forgot. Cat. Never mind. Who's who's the best design? Fuck, that's so dope. <laughs> he is a saber toothed tiger cat, uh, Devil Fruit user. Uh, he's a giant saber toothed cat with who's who's weird horned masks thing. And a cigarette awkwardly sticking out of one side of his mouth. So, uh, they're like, ah, you should have a... 
you know, Straw Hat's gone on. He's going to bother Kaido now, so stop picking on my subordinates. Have a little pride, former warlord of the sea. And Jinbei says, I'd prefer my more prestigious title, Helmsman of the Straw Hat Crew. What an awesome guy. That he is... That, like, quote-unquote demotion in, in with more pride. That is so. so much of a badass moment. It deserves so much more, like, drama to it, but it's such a great way to set up this introduction. It's great. Yeah. And uh, there's kind of a funny moment because uh, Who's Who says, oh, sorry, I just thought of that because I once saw you when you were a warlord, but it doesn't matter. And Jinbei's kind of surprised by this because, like, I mean, maybe if I saw your face, I would recognize you. And Who's Who says, too bad you'll never see it. So. Oh, no, another identity that we have to discover in One Piece. <laughs> who is that master? Who is Who's Who? Is it Mr. Tubon Clay? <laughs> Is it Jin from one from way back when? <laughs> Weren't you kind of pulling for that to be? Uh, yeah, I look. I think you were kind of pulling. Yeah, I, I'll pull for fucking anybody to be Jin because I just want that plot line to be, like pick back. Not even a plot line. It's just a character they met that Sanji had a friendly relationship with. That I'm just like, I hope he shows up again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got to be a fan. Uh, meanwhile, over somewhere else in the dome, I'm not even sure exactly where they are because I don't think any important characters are actually around them. Uh, page one and Ulti burst through a wall and they're in their full dinosaur forms. Ulti is full giant Pachycephalosaurus. And they're just kind of like, where do they go? Because apparently they've just completely lost track of Usopp and Nami. Uh, and Ulti vows to split Nami's skull in two. Which she could do. She is very has very scary headbutts. And then we cut to somewhere hidden inside the dome in a storeroom uh, where Yamato has managed to get Shinobu uh, himself and Momonosuke hidden away. And they're looking up at this giant dragon statue thing. And uh, Yamato's like, yeah, it's a statue of a dragon. In the past, it was placed at the entrance to the island, but my friend destroyed it. So they discarded the statue here. And Momosuke's like, your friend? Yamato says, yes. A man who came here years ago to kill my father. And we get a silhouette of Ace behind him. And, uh, yeah. So, remember when uh, Toko brought up that Ace had been to Wano before? And we thought the flashback was going to be about him? And then it wasn't? Uh, so I guess so we're getting the ace flashback now because you can see the corners of the panel are turning black. We're getting another flashback, which is perfect. Oda timing to just be like, I want you to fucking just about like edging you with fucking content like they, these fights are about to pop off. But I do have one quick seven chapter long fucking flashback to do. God damn it. I'm going to do this Wano arc into 2022. <laughs> it's, you know, what's annoying me though, because, you know, every year we do the, uh, we do like a re retrospective or whatever. Uh, we always do like, Hey Nick, do you remember where this chapter was at the start? Nope. <laughs> You're never not going to be able to remember where one piece was. Cause it was fucking chapter 1000. Like there's no way that won't be able to be like, Oh yeah. One piece was on chapter 1000. I don't know, Chris. You doubt my abilities to forget things. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, I suppose. Or apply uh, dates and times to, to individual memories, I guess. 
But fuck yeah, this was an awesome chapter. I, I fucking I love seeing the different Toby Ropo members like in their full forms. This is reveals for three of them. Obviously, we know new page one and ulti and extra technically gets in on it too he also gets the same kind of two-page treatment but he's an ally now but i'm mm-hmm. fucking i'm so fucking jazzed for sasaki versus frankie i can't even fucking expi- yeah. i can't even like put it into words robot, robot versus triceratops <laughs> and i was like nothing's gonna beat that and then i was like holy shit fucking saber two tiger who's who versus jimbei i fucking can't wait for like i just started drooling at the mouth a little bit and spitting like it's i'm fucking falling apart at the seams i'm so excited for those fights nick oh, i can't wait I think that this is a great chapter for like if you're a One Piece fan and you're used to the way the One Piece does things, then I think that this is a good chapter for you. I think that if you've been frustrated with the way One Piece has been going for the last few years or well since the time skip really, this is probably going to be about the same for you. But I thought that there were some cool designs once you got to see the full ancient animal forms. I do like to see, hey, finally we're getting these one on one. Well, one straw hat against, you know, a small manageable group of opponents mm-hmm. uh, set up. It's exciting. And uh, yeah, I I am curious to see where the hell this whole thing with Ace is going to go, because apparently he did have an important role. He had some influence on some people a few years uh, before we're currently at. So. I do have one question, though, and that is. What happened with Kid? Because we knew Kid was on the third floor and ahead of Luffy's group. And Jinbei had to stay behind to let Luffy go on ahead. So I'm wondering if, like, did Kid just sneak past Who's Who? Or did Who's Who let him go? Or is Kid just hanging back and is like, oh, someone else is dealing with him now. I'll sneak on through or something like that. Yeah, I'm sure a kid could uh, be very sneaky with that mound, mountain of junk he's got trailing behind him right now. <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah. We shall see. But yeah, really cool. All right. That is going to do it for Weekly Monk Recap, guys. We've been going for a while. Chris, what was your favorite series this week, and who was your MVP? You know, I want to give it to Chainsaw Man, because Chainsaw Man was really, really cool. But I got so fucking hyped at that One Piece chapter, I'd be lying if I gave it to anything else. It's gonna be One Piece. I'm sorry. I'm I'm a fucking I can't I, I can't call myself the S word anymore. Uh, no, and I'm no, also no. I'm also that for Mashable less than One Piece. But I, I, this is a really great One Piece chapter. I don't know. I'm I'm I just got really excited thinking about it. Uh, I am going to give mine to. Draw out the words so that I can make a decision as I'm looking over stuff. I'm going to give mine to Mashal. Okay. Uh, wow. I, I like, I just liked the hangout stuff, the, you know, more laid back uh, kind of saying that we got with everyone. There were a lot of good chapters this week. I really liked Magu. I liked my hero. I liked Kaiju number eight. Uh, and we never learned was the best. It's been in two months. <laughs> That's not saying very much. Uh, so, but I don't know something, something about the way that it just kind of played out and we got to see everyone being friendly and, and everything. Those are kind of becoming my favorite things in Mashal, even though it does so many other things so very well. Who's your MVP? Uh, MVP is tough. I want to give it to Denji, but honestly, Denji's not as great in that chapter as like the whole of the chapter is per se. So I wouldn't say he's particularly memorable <laughs> for a hot moment. Oh, man, I'm going to let you go. 
because I'm debating if I'm going to do this or not. I'm actually going to give mine to Pachita on the other end. Of okay. That for, you know, just that's just that nice little speech that he had about, you know, in this way that devils have their own very human desires to them. Like I'm, I'm lonely and I want to be with someone. And, you know, Pochita's like, you know, you granted my wish by being someone who would hold me when I couldn't have that before. And that's why I'm, you know, entrusting the control devil to you. So can you do that for her? And, and it's just a very sweet little, little thing that happens. And although he's not in the majority of the chapter, I think that it's like, Hey, it's nice to have this reminder that Pochita is this very, very influential force in all of Chainsaw Man. So. Uh, I almost gave mine to Ghost Dad because I really do love that Uega's dad <laughs> forced ghosts into the wedding. Uh, but I, I re- reading through it, yeah, the correct answer I think is Mister Compress. Uh, I, I had actually forgotten about that until the moment. I was like, you know what? If he was only ever going to do one thing in the manga, mm. it was a pretty cool thing to have done. So I do dig it. Uh, the audience, by the way, agreed with Mr. Capress as their character of the week, and Chainsaw Man Vroom Vroom was the chapter of the week. Hmm. All right. Well, that is going to do it, everyone. Well, thank you for joining us for Weekly Manga Recap. We record the show here on twitch.tv slash Wednesday, starting sometime between 7.30 and 8 Eastern in the evening. But you can also follow us on social media at WMR Podcast, at Rolo T, at Nick F Time to get reminded on exactly when we're going to start recording the show. You can also get that notification if you join us on our Discord server, where we have a wonderful community that talks about manga, does all sorts of other things as well. Uh, there's, my, there's an RP channel. People talk about video games. People share NSFW stuff. There's just a lot of stuff that happens. And we also have a weekly Among Us uh, session each Saturday morning. So if you want to join in and have some murdery times with everyone, yeah, join us. You can't kill me because it's not my birthday anymore. So you can just go ahead and yeah. kill me anymore, I guess. Fucking Credo, <laughs> dickhead. I'm going to fucking vent him the next, or whatever, drop him in lava or whatever. I don't know what the words are. They're confusing. They scare me, Nick. <laughs> Uh, you can also use that to find the WMR Google Doc maintained by Ninja X3i that has all sorts of information that is helpful to newcomers to the podcast. Of uh, like, you know, hey, what kind of stuff have you covered before? There is a list of all the series that we've taken as recommendations. There's a list of you know the MVPs and favorite series and stuff like that. There is a whole list of supplemental awards that we do at the end of the year, which is coming up fast that uh, you can also vote on. So helpful doc on there. We also give special thanks to Steve Man, our tower artist. You can check him out wherever boobs are allowed to be drawn. And Milo Jack Stillitz and Winsleydale Cheddar for making the opening sequence of Weekly Manga Recap. And everyone who supports us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Weekly Manga Recap, where we create bonus content for you guys to enjoy. Yes. Uh, so there is going to be a regular episode next week. Um, I know we'll be kind of close to Christmas, but I, yes. I, don't, I don't believe either of us have an issue with recording next week. Um no, Chris, I've got to get on five flights. Uh, just, you know, go everywhere, you know. <laughs> yeah. I'm not visiting anyone, but I'm going on five flights. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, I, you know, I always like to check. Uh, so, you know, we're going to have a regular chapter. Uh, I imagine the week after that is where we're going to probably do a retrospective or something along those lines. Uh, but I wanted to clear up because I, I had to consider how much time was going to be left before the new year started. And I said, you know what? Fuck it. Let's start oh, no. next year with a long oh, no. series. Oh, no. Uh, well, what's the oh, no, no for, Nick? 
I'm just bracing myself. I'm not sure exactly what you're going for. Uh, well, what I'll say is it's only 25 volumes long. Okay. Uh, for our next recommendation, we're going to be checking out Golden Kamui. Oh, I'm very happy now. <laughs> yeah. I thought I'd try to. It's going to be a nice wintry series to start mm-hmm. the year off on, too. Mm hmm. It's been getting a lot of press recently. It's free currently on Jump, I believe, or on Viz. So, um, yes. you know, cool stuff. Awesome. I look forward to it. So. Mm-hmm. All right. That's going to do it. Uh, I now have to reign over my spot in Scotland. So I have to. There's big changes coming, guys, for my, what, I think, five by five plot of land <laughs> that it's got, very going to be like you've got like the ambition of like Lillian in uh, Kimmy Schmidt when she got voted onto the city council. And she's like, I'm going to make some changes. <laughs> I'm gonna stop everything. Yeah, well, like it it specifically says like on my certificate, like you can't fuck with the land at all. So I'm gonna like I'm gonna like have to like find a way to create like a platform that's raised above it and then build all my stuff on top of it. I'm thinking like a giant tower with like a flaming eye at the top. <laughs> But it's got like those earthquake stilts at the very bottom. Yeah. Under the, the tower. <laughs> oh, a single wind, like not even like a storm. A really strong breeze will blow, like knock it down and set fire to everyone's land. <laughs> but I'm I'm the Lord now, so I'm gonna make some big changes over here. First of all, we're not Scotland anymore. We're Chris Land. <laughs> I don't know who Scott is. <laughs> Fuck him. Chris Land is where we're at now. <laughs> 